passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Royal Rumble review. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting coming at you minutes after midnight in the Eastern time zone. How are you, Wei? Kind of tired, to be honest. I know people hate when I say this, but, dude, that was a long show. And I I started... It was four matches. I mean, granted, it's two rumbles in there, but like I started really late tonight. I just had a uh, a hell of an evening uh, just getting time to like sit down and watch this show. And I was like a half hour behind the live feed for a good portion of the first half. And then that that women's rumble ended. And like the amount of time I made up after that through all the packages and everything, like I was all of a sudden I was like right up to, to live in no time for the the four-way title match and mm-hmm. i mean we will we will get more into the rumble itself but it was um worth it for us to uh, at least uh rewind over the past 24 hours because 24 hour period in this news cycle uh plenty is going on you and i have somehow been able to manage to book nights off for both of vince mcmahon's resignations over the last two years me for the first one in july of 2022 and you for last night's resignation so so you're saying um i'm saying that the next time you or i book off a friday in advance i think we're both going to raise an eyebrow at what we are tempting uh in terms of news to come our way Mm -hmm. um but i think that is that is first and foremost uh what we're going to be focusing on at the beginning here the wwe press conference is underway and we're going to be monitoring it at the moment bailey is in front of the media and should Paul Levesque be speaking? I understand we're going to be trying to go to that as it happens live. Way. Yeah. Now, I don't think we can play the audio from it. Otherwise, we might get flagged. But what we'll do is um, we'll have like a bit, a bit of an impromptu watch along where John and I will we encourage you guys to have a separate window out as um, maybe we, you know, watch Levesque um, possibly answer some questions and uh, we'll react and um those of you who are listening in audio form after the fact, I'll probably edit out, um, you know, just like a, any of the dead spots. But we're, we're going to try something because the press conference is so important tonight. We're going to attempt this. And then mm-hmm. should um, the schedules work out, we're hopefully going to get Brandon Thurston on the show. He's at the press conference as we speak. He'll be going mm-hmm. back to his hotel and is going to join us, hopefully, uh, pending any you know transportation issues or unforeseen circumstances. But that's tentatively what we're hoping to do. And we will get around to uh, your calls as well. We might be limited with the written feedback. It is uh, super late and we have a lot to get into. But let's go back to... Um, 
The news that dropped on Friday of uh, Vince McMahon's resignation, I mean, this came hours after it had first been stated that uh, Slim Jim was going to be putting its relationship with WWE on pause, citing the the lawsuit that was filed by Janelle Grant earlier this week. And then hours later, a in, internal email was sent out on behalf of Nick Khan to the staff that I wanted to inform you that Vince McMahon has tendered his resignation from his positions as TKO executive chairman and on the TKO board of directors. He will no longer have a role with TKO group holdings or WWE. Now, as well on Friday night, Vince McMahon, through a, his own spokesman, put out a statement to uh, some media outlets stating, quote, I stand by my prior statement that Ms. Grant's lawsuit is replete with lies, obscene made-up instances that never occurred, and is a vindictive distortion of the truth. Um, he goes on to say, I intend to vigorously defend myself against these baseless accusations and look forward to clearing my name. However, out of respect for the WWE universe, the extraordinary TKO business and its board members and shareholders, partners and constituents, and all of the employees and superstars who helped make WWE into the global leader it is today, I've decided to resign from my executive chairmanship and the TKO board of directors effective immediately. And fast forward to Saturday morning and Russell Votes had noted that it looked that Slim Jim, like with the news of the resignation, was jumping right back on board with WWE for tonight's event. They put out a brief statement after the departure of Vince McMahon and discussions with WWE TKO senior leadership. Slim Jim has decided to re-enter the Royal Rumble, um, which definitely was, I think, a little off-putting to some people that we are working in some very, um, you know, comical line at the end of an ultra-serious um circumstance and and i think a lot of people as well i think i mean i don't know what your um what pedestal you are going to put a sponsor on but what is undeniable is that these sponsors hold weight okay that's very clear and i mean at the end of it they they jump right back on and they were plastered all over the uh the men's four-way match uh, tonight and were represented on the show as were several other sponsors that we we had not heard anything about their reluctance to still participate in the event we had c4 energy all over the show um cricket wireless um the suicide squad video game for playstation 5 and then slim jim were the four key ones that i i noticed throughout the night but um wait we haven't really got your reaction i got to chat with it at length with neil flanagan on friday but I mean, the resignation from Vince McMahon, how realistic did you see that being a inevitability or what were you sort of looking at with the fallout of the news, the coverage and honestly, like sponsors reacting as well? Because those are the things that are going to um, those are things that there there is going to be reaction to internally in the company. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's a major story in professional wrestling that like, mm, feels like it's huge to us i often temper my expectations of, about how much it, it actually permeates to the mainstream and how much the mainstream even cares at all um this was one that definitely you know broke through in a major way and and it it, it was so loud and how could it not be you know it's it, it the the details are horrifying in, in this lawsuit and um uh that i i expected something to happen and i almost feel like this resignation is like the minimum um and ultimately i have to ask whether or not it really changes a, a whole lot you know i just look at it as a severing from vince mcmahon and tko but um that's just kind of a superficial thing to, to me he still, still has the stock as as we know like there we, mm -hmm. we like i i know that that that's been asked that question about what 
um, will, will there be a force divesting of his stock? He has 11.6 million shares. So, I mean, yes, in title and position, he is removed from, but I mean, he was, this is very different from 2022. It is not as though he has the the controlling shares that he could maneuver himself back. I mean, that is not at at his disposal this time around. I would say that this feels like a much more permanent exit for Vince McMahon from TKO. But there is still the question of of the stock. He owns a significant portion of it. He owns, um, sorry, I said 11.6 million shares. It was 11.6% of the shares is what mm-hmm. he owns. He owns approximately 20 million shares in total because he just sold 8.4 million of them two months ago. Right. And really at this point, like what, what do we even know of Vince McMahon's day-to-day duties? You know, we know he was helping out with some of these deals. Now that these deals seem, seem to be secure, well, what really was he doing there anyway? And and what exactly does he lose by losing this position? Uh, you know, perhaps beyond, I don't know, uh, some sort of semblance of, of control and power, but you can argue he, he didn't really have nearly as much as I think, you know, um, he, he had before. Uh, this to me is the minimum reaction that I expected. And I don't think it's enough. I, I think the public should be demanding a whole lot more, um, either clarity about the situation um, and uh, clarity clarity about who else was involved. Well, if you go by the TKO statement that they released on Thursday night, I mean, they're, they were stating Vince McMahon is not involved in, in the day-to-day. I mean, how much you want to – I mean, th- there was the, – the certainly these questions have persisted about like – how involved is Vince McMahon post merger? Is he just going to be like a mascot for the company that we will trot out for certain events like in Saudi Arabia when we saw him go over there that he will be he will be a face of the company, but with very little day to day duties or things of significance that uh, like I, I don't think TKO is is not losing a step without Vince McMahon in, hmm. in the mix. But I I go to your point. I think that this is going to be a very important period where you have now made a move where to the outside, it is going to be presented as the problem was contained in this individual. He is now out of the equation and thus there there is no uh, spillover from the existing management. And I think the public is savvy enough to understand that. I know that the uh, plaintiff side is very much pushing that, that this was a cultural issue. There is a reason WWE are listed as defendants here. And you can assign whatever you want about who knew what, how how much blame is to be placed on others. But this went beyond one man. This was the person that wielded a ton of power, a ton of influence. And there are all these people underneath him. Um, and, and that, to me, at the very least, demands of more investigation into this and a proper public satisfactory investigation into this and we keep bringing it up but the idea that they're just like that there was some grand jury that was seeking out evidence potentially from Vince McMahon I mean they're not just hey doing this stuff for no reason and the idea that um, there could be something much larger to fall we cannot have that out of sight, out of mind, that that could be a very realistic possibility when we are talking about charges of trafficking. This is limited to a civil suit today. But 
as we have all seen in this 67-page complaint, there are tons of crimes that are being alleged in this on top of it that goes um again this is this is a money issue at the moment with Vince McMahon in this case but there's so much more that could be on the table that yeah. this could just be step 1 you mentioned perhaps the public being savvy enough in, in in maybe seeing this resignation as just maybe a bit of a tip of the iceberg and not the whole thing. I I do question it, John. You know, just look at the Slim Jim reaction like to them. Fair, it was fair, just fair like, point. We're reentering the rumble. You know, the, the, the problem is gone and all is well and we can, you know, proceed with business as usual. I I, I do wonder like how how much of a of a sort of craving for you know the full story and and sort of like full um a, a responsibility you know that the rest of the public might have for something like this yeah i guess i come at it from i i don't hold the, these these sponsors at, at any level that they are going to be holding on to uh some sort of moral high ground in this or or pushing the the ethical um side of this i look at it that this is a this is as much a perception for our brand that will be attached to this. Um, as I'm, I've got the the press conference here on mute. Um, it is Royal Rumble logos and C4 Energy. And if Paul Levesque is right now, Cody Rhodes is up there. By the way, if Paul Levesque is placed in front of this microphone and he is asked questions about this, those are going to be the clips that are going all over the place. And C4 Energy has to have made this decision that our logo is going to be attached to this brand of somebody that is either going to be vigorously no commenting or i mean at the very least is going to be asked questions in relation to just heinous heinous accusations on on top of it and that i think is what the these brands are making their decision on on what are we attaching our brand to what is the value versus what is the potential damage to it and weighing these things out and this weekend slim jim felt that the resignation of vince mcmahon was enough to go back into the water for the Royal Rumble. Right. And that even surprised me, honestly, John. Um, and how many of these other companies would deem this story big enough to, to follow suit? Obviously, it wasn't enough for Cricket or um, any of the Suicide Squad or any of these other companies. And I, I almost found it to be um, a, a pretty shocking rarity. Um, well, I'm sure Lebec is very much considering, you know, if he is going to answer any questions, um, just the implications of anything that he would say. Are you expecting him to speak? Like we we don't know if he's speaking or not unless they've announced the speakers already. Again, we're we're um we're just watching this um uh, we're doing the show right afterwards. I believe I, somebody in the chat room mentioned that um he's scheduled. Uh, Lebec would be scheduled. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Chat room, it's it's kind of tough to to make. Yeah, we're we're live, so we can't be following whatever updates they've provided. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly um newsworthy if he's not speaking like regardless but mm -hmm. uh, if he does um there's certainly people there that do want to ask questions um also today uh ronda rousey uh put out a a a quick post on x stating bruce pritchard is basically vince's avatar if he's still around vince still has a hand in the business vince was still running things through bruce when he was gone before um pretty pretty solid statement from ronda rousey and one that is I think people are of the belief that Vince McMahon will still have his hands in uh, WWE business. I think that this is a bit of a different case from 2022, but um, this is someone with like a big platform, a big following. This is a big difference than um, some, you know, 
Ryback putting out something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is going to get a lot of attention. And it's also uh, worth noting because her, um, um, it, it was noted as well. She has a book coming out April 2nd. And that mm-hmm. becomes a bit more interesting when you see this uh, mentioned there. The fact mm-hmm. that this will be covering her time in WWE. And mm-hmm. I would like just on the surface of things would have thought, is she really going to get into allegations with Vince McMahon? I mean, this coincided with like her tenure with, with the company as well. Kind of leans me more to that. She's working on it with her sister, who is a legitimate journalist as well. Mm-hmm. It does make that book a bit more interesting now in terms of somebody that has a big high profile and might be willing to speak about just their own impressions being in that system and what was going on in 2022 and over the past two years. And just so uh, you know, we we update everybody. Uh, people in the chat room are telling us that Byron did mention that Cody. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Byron did mention that uh, Paul Paul Levesque will be speaking later on okay. in the press conference. So we will continue to monitor. Thank you guys for that. Um, you're yeah, absolutely. You know, this is not just any professional wrestler. This is somebody with a mainstream voice that um, you know, came in as as a, a star outside of professional wrestling, and clearly by perhaps a tw- a message or, or a post like this feels like somebody who um, is very passionate about this ongoing story has is very opinionated about it and uh, is not afraid to speak their mind um, with regards to um, again, not just holding one person responsible, but everybody attached to that person uh, responsible for at least, you know, any, or or to try to limit any sort of ongoing involvement of a Vince McMahon or, or beyond. I I know um, some people have had issues in the past with, with, with some of the things that Ronda mm -hmm. Rousey has retweeted and, and spoken about. Um, But just this in a vacuum, I give her a lot of praise for, Stating something, um, going on the record and just listen, how many um, people that work within this industry or have worked with, with Vince McMahon in the past have really spoken up and and taken issue with any of this. I look at someone like uh, a Lance Storm, uh, an Eric Young, like it's been very few. I can count on one hand and have fingers left over of people that have been um, that, that have spoken up that have had um that that have weight attached to their words. Ronda Rousey qualifies and to the best of my knowledge, still has a, a great relationship with the UFC, with Dana White. Um, there are plenty of political reasons that Ronda Rousey would just keep her mouth shut. So I'm going to applaud someone that actually stepped up and said something here in, in, in a big way and understanding that when she says something like this, it's going to carry a lot of attention with it. Very much so, because um, I'm willing to bet most um, certainly active performers, even like inactive performers that used to work for the company that might want to say something, probably don't feel as as um, you know powerful to to be or as confident, you know, for their future employment. Ronda Rousey is somebody who never needs to wrestle again, never needs to be employed by the WWE again, and uh, to use her platform to say, speak what's on her mind. Yeah, you do have to give her credit for it. There was no Brock Lesnar on the show. He had been, you know, reported to be back tonight. Um, I, I had been told that other reporters had, had you know, I- indicated that a- as well. And he was off the show. And I think the right call. I, yeah. I, I, I don't even want to like get into the the argument of what would the reaction have been if Brock was coming out. If Brock came out and was still cheered, I think it would be an awful look. Um, had had they done that. Mm-hmm. I guess the question becomes, is this enough that they feel that they are going to um, feel that in 
okay, we hold them off until a couple more weeks and we keep them in line for WrestleMania? Or is this something that you are really recalculating, uh, putting Brock Lesnar on your, your television at this moment when this case is fresh? These details are out there everywhere. And this is just not worth that that type of attention to keep this new cycle going. Like where, And I could see either side being uh, given credence by WWE. I could see them using him. I could also, like they at least made the step tonight to not use him. And I think in a different era, I think from the Vince playbook, he would have been on the show tonight. Yeah, this is um, sort of one of the other big aspects of this story, right? We're seeing for the first time how a TKO-led WWE is is handling crisis. Um, Vince, you know, would have probably appeared on at the Royal Rumble tonight speaking or something, you know, ridiculous like that. And maybe would have gone ahead with a Brock, who knows. But TKO, um, at least, you know, in, in this sort of current modern, the, the present incarnation in their first year with our Emmanuel in charge, um, I can imagine probably being a lot more... Um, gun shy about that sort of bravado and as a result i don't see them using brock at all for this wrestlemania season i a lot can happen between now and then like i mean maybe we'll get a bigger response from from vince mcmahon but a lot of other things can happen maybe brock will will issue some sort of formal you know uh, statement or defense we don't know but uh if the things stand the way they are i and i don't see the reputation of a brock lesnar changing in the public eye yeah i think it's and listen, Vince McMahon is deserved his his defense. He like that mm-hmm. is, you know, part of the process is that you get to defend yourself. There is a lot that he is going to have to account for. Um, but just a simple these are these are lies. That's not going to fly with people. Like you have had mm-hmm. significant evidence that was part of this suit. There's probably more of it. Um it's mm-hmm. it's not just going to be accepted as um j- just a denial of, of such. The other person who was not on the show, and it also becomes interesting given his new position with the company, is Dwayne Johnson, who is now a board of director. And we now have an open board of director seat now that Vince McMahon has vacated his. And, I mean, you come out of tonight, and it certainly feels as though Cody and Roman is the match. And, you know, from just reporting from Dave Meltzer, it sounded like it was this year's mania that Dwayne Johnson was shooting for. And, you know you come out of tonight where it does really seem that they are not going that direction. Maybe that was not ultimately the plan that they wanted to go for, but you have to at least ask the question if the past couple of days have it all um, affected that for this individual who his brand is like wholesome. His Mm -hmm. brand is you want as far removed from being uh, attached to these same headlines with WWE. Yeah, because uh, we're doing this right after the show, I haven't even really had time to, to process um, and, and, and sort of make that connection that Cody winning the Rumble. Um, what does that mean for what Rock, uh, you know, the Rock coming in on WWE Ron saying he's going to take a seat at the head of the table? They, he pretty much, and throughout the, these interviews, you know, um, as, as he was doing the rounds, of, you know, talking about TKO, pretty much was building up towards Roman Reigns versus the Rock. Um they can always do a two night thing as maybe has been suggested, you know, for, for, so we don't, there's definitely ways to work around it, but I mean, tonight was a pretty solid, like it was not even like left up in the air about where Cody is going. Like they, you went Mm -hmm. off the air with that, with that match. And I think now we're going to pull up the press conference. Okay. Paul Levesque is here. So again, everybody, we are going to be listening to this on our own headphones. We encourage you guys to pull up your own uh, side screens and just kind of listen and we'll react in real time to uh, Paul Levesque. Are we back? Great. 
Okay. Thumbs up. We're good. We're good. Okay. All right, everybody. Sorry about the uh, temporary delay. We were uh, trying to navigate this uh, press conference. I was airing some video here, and I guess uh, even video is uh, grounds for a copyright uh, infringement. So uh, we, we got what we wanted out of it, and uh, I guess uh, now we can react to uh, your thoughts, John, on the press conference. Well, I think that uh, Paul Levesque went into this press conference aware that he was going to be asked of this. Um, it was an extremely long opening uh, discussion uh, monologue on on the Royal Rumble. And I mean, we got several questions that, that were asked of him. And I really applaud those that brought up um, not just John Elba for being the first one to ask, but also the others to follow up, even though... Um, you know, Paul Levesque had his I'm here to focus about the positives line that I am sure he was very. I do not think he went into this cold. I am. Um, stunned is not the word, but I'm um, at a loss that he has not read this lawsuit. I mean, at at its core. Uh, yes, this is your father in law you're reading about. Um, you're. Like, how, how can you not be reading what is alleged of to, to have happened in, in your headquarters? Um, I just I, I don't know that that to me is baffling, uh, whether it is true or not. The fact that he stated he has not even read the lawsuit. I would just have so um, I don't know how I would respond to that if I was a staff or a performer hearing that the person that is here to ensure that this company is being run and that we have these safety procedures. That was a great question about. Uh, safety measures and i mean mm -hmm. he said everything possible without getting specific um let's get through a bit of a recap just again for people who may have not have uh, seen the press conference so first question was from sports kita and it was a question about netflix and essentially it just kind of gave levec an opportunity to to promote you know the, the the wwe's deal with netflix the second question was from john alba representing fightful and he was asking to what degree of knowledge did Paul Levesque have of the current allegations uh, in this uh, in in this lawsuit? And, and mentioning the board vote when initially the board voted unanimously for Vince McMahon not to return. And then mm -hmm. Vince McMahon making his and, intentions known. And then suddenly it was a unanimous vote to allow him to return. And also the question uh, included to what impact um, Levesque would think uh, any of this would have on uh, future uh, relationships with sponsors, I believe was also included there. And Levesque at this point basically said uh, he's going to do exactly what we expect him to do. And that was to only focus on the accomplishments and the positives of the company. Uh, and I believe this might've been where he mentioned it being a great week. Uh, for the WWE multiple times saying it was a great week, which again, awful, awful choice of, of wording. I, I don't care what billion multi-billion dollar deal you have signed. This was not a great week in WWE history. This was a horrendous week. Uh, the next question came from the ringer. And the question was about what was being put into place to make sure employees feel safe in light of, uh, of these allegations. And Triple H, Paul Levesque said the, uh, the he, he said this was uh, the most general answer he can give. And that is everything possible. He says it's an important topic to them. And then the next one we had was from Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. And uh, as John mentioned, he asked Levesque if he read the lawsuit and what his reaction was. Very simple. And Levesque also very simply said he did not read the lawsuit. He uh, talks about a question um, Cody fielded, I believe, from Nick Hasman earlier. Where, um, I, 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 Again, everybody, we were streaming, so I don't have the exact question. But I believe it was in discussion about um, the, the, the allegations. 
And uh, Cody had mentioned finding out in real time, which is how Lebec found out as well. And again, reiterated that it's been an amazing week. So though, those are all the relevant questions. How did you feel he, he came across? I certainly felt like he did not want to simply say no comment. I think he realized mm-hmm. that would be a bad look, um, but also wanted to say as little as possible and focus on the Netflix deal. And the Netflix deal is um, it, it was not enough to be able to just steer people's attention to this, this shiny new deal that we have signed to somehow. I, I just thought it was a really poor choice of words to it, to label this week as, as a great week um, mm-hmm. and just simply state that a, a multi-billion dollar company uh, contract somehow supersedes what um, has to be horrifying internally in your company to be that, that people in this company that have read the, this entire suit. So I'm going to need maybe a bit more time, like a bit of time to fully digest my thoughts. But my immediate reaction is that I'm a little bit shocked that he didn't at least come with a pre-written statement on behalf of the company. You know, something addressing it. Every now, subject he went to to pivot to to leapfrog in that diatribe at the beginning, I was expecting him to get to that, that there would be a blanket statement um, again, I'm I'm looking at this not from my perspective as quote unquote reporter. I'm looking at this from like PR. Um, TKO already there. released one. Yeah, I mean TKO has put out a statement. I mean mm-hmm. he could have referred to the statement, um, but he is not. Um, and at least, yeah, he. I thought he would put out the statement at the beginning, if for nothing else, than to deter people from asking. Um, they sure should have asked. And listen, guys. Um, Media gets 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 a lot of flack. Some deserved and, and some not. But um, that was the, the people there representing the biggest story that is going on, uh, much bigger than just a wrestling ang- angle to this at all. This is a giant story. They asked the questions when it was the first answer was, I'm going to focus on the positive. There were follow-ups. Look how much more we got out of Paul Levesque just by those follow-ups. We learned this man hasn't even read the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. He hasn't read the lawsuit. I'm sorry. That to me is, I think that's a pretty damning statement. The, the fact that, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for a lot of people. And I would assume for him as well. But I mean, there are going to be a lot of questions about um, how much was known. I mean, this was a woman that was moved into the talent relations department uh, when, when she was, you know, cha- after her time in the XFL. Um, th- th- there's a lot of questions about it. And in the case alleges that, that others knew uh, on top of it. I think like in his role, I'm sorry, you have to read that lawsuit. You have yeah. to be aware. If your talent comes to you with concerns about this, how how can you say we 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 didn't read the allegations? I can't I can't even speak to to that. I mm-hmm. think that um that there was a lot you can take and that was based off of three questions that were asked of Paul Lebeck. So, you know, we were even wondering if they were doing a press conference period and even if they were doing a press conference, was Paul Lebeck going to speak? They went ahead with everything as planned. I guess I was just a bit surprised that their game plan for fielding these questions was I'm going to focus on the positives and basically ignore um, this story. And I, 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 I do question maybe that as a tact. Um, I also think that the, the, it, it calls a lot into, into question just um, – I, so a lot some people in the chat room are asking like what what or were expecting him to to actually say 
Probably not much, but um, anything like we're looking for details. You know what I wasn't looking for? Nothing. So I'll also say the fact that three of these reporters talked about this is a direct message to C4 Energy, to uh, any of these sponsors that are out there, that this is front of mind for the world and and that everybody else you know we all demand answers for something like this that was one of the values of i think you know getting several of these people to actually engage and 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 bring up this topic and instead of present pretending that it doesn't exist yeah and i would like again i wouldn't have used the the terminology of like labeling this a great week i think you can be compassionate while also being reserved in your judgment i mean by simply stating that i mean um we obviously take these allegations extremely serious. We have mechanisms in place for outlets, for our staff, for our talent that may be traumatized by this. We are an environment that does not endorse anything that was labeled in this in this lawsuit with respect to uh, the, the plaintiff. We are going to let this be played out in, in court where Vince McMahon will have his defense. Uh, we are not going to speak on behalf of Vince McMahon, and we are not going to in any way inhibit the 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 legal process from moving forward but this is a company that does not stand for what was written in that lawsuit and you have my word as the person that is representing the company tonight that that is the furthest thing from what we stand for and mm-hmm. you're not divulging anything you're not defaming yourself you're not stepping in anything but you're making it very concrete that this is an environment that we are not uh subscribing to but there are still lots of questions to be asked and you only get so much limited availability with a Paul Levesque in, in this setting. He took what five questions in this in this mm-hmm. uh, in this particular press conference. So um, those are just some of my thoughts listening to it. But I mean, they were the, the the subjects were raised. What is sort of the next instance where we we might get some sort of um, dialogue with a Levesque or somebody at his position? Well, I mean, in advance of the NXT shows, typically Shawn Michaels does a, a um, does does a call. Um, I think there are some questions that you could ask to a Shawn Michaels. It's not Paul Levesque. It's a bit different. But um, for Paul Levesque, I mean, it's limited to these ones. He doesn't do the the like pre-show calls like he used to do in the NXT takeover days. Um, and the next event is in Australia. So, I mean, I assume that they will still be doing a, a press conference there. Um mm-hmm. And then like the, the, the mania ones uh, as well. And how much of a focus will this story be by then? It still might be very prevalent to bring up. Um, unfortunately, as time moves on, so do sometimes does the urgency of these stories, regardless of how serious they are. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah. Over the next week, I'm, I'm sure maybe there'll be a lot more reaction to just even these specific words, uh, maybe even, you know, hopefully maybe further um, sort of a, a dialogue with, um, you know, Levesque or, or others uh, at, at his, uh, that he represents um, him, himself. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll get maybe some of the audience's reaction to maybe a bit later on. OK. And again, we might be checking in with uh, Brandon Thurston to join us for a couple of minutes uh, mm-hmm. later on. So. We have to make the hard transition over to the show that did go down tonight at Tropicana Field with the Royal Rumble. And we had uh, the pre-show, which was just uh, an hour of desk chat, a Paul Heyman promo. Uh, As they were predicting the uh, the four-way championship match, uh, Booker T did predict that LA Knight was going to win the title and, and Roman Reigns run tonight. 
I mean, you need to leave some doubt, I suppose, you know? Yeah. They're, they're trying their there, best. There was, there was a ton, yeah. There, there was a really great Paul Heyman promo in the, in the middle of this. Uh, Jelly Roll, he also appeared. And then um, Rosenberg interviewing CM Punk, noting it's been a, it's 10 years since his last Royal Rumble. And then doing the uh, the hard sell with Paul Levesque at the end of the pre-show promoting promoting the event. So our announcers for the show, it's Michael Cole and Corey Graves with an intro video narrated by the ambassador for Clearwater, St. Pete's, Paul Kogan. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, did this coincide with the 40 year anniversary of, of uh, what is it? Uh, Hulkamania? The 40th that anniversary it? of Hulkamania. Yes. Not to be confused with 40 years of WrestleMania that they're also promoting simultaneously, even though they're a year apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, for those that... Um, will remember this was a show that they did receive a half a million dollars for um this was uh reported back in october um the catalyst noting that the uh the royal rumble event if i can get the exact figure here um vspc which is the the group has not released uh economic impact projections jason latimer public relations director told the catalyst the organization spent five hundred thousand dollars of its tourist development tax funding accrued from overnight stays at county hotels in its successful bid to secure the royal rumble what was interesting is that the greater orlando sports commission had previously allocated eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the bid to get the Royal Rumble, which would have taken place at Camping World Stadium, where WrestleMania took place in 2017. So they did go to uh they did go to Tropicana Field for two hundred and fifty or $350,000 less than what Orlando was earmarking to bid for it. So interesting in, in that sense, but they did get uh, some money for this event. And I guess obviously part of that was promotion for, you know, tourism in the city, which we saw throughout the broadcast and giving Hulk Hogan the ability to uh, represent the the city. And then the show starts with Pat McAfee coming out to join the broadcast team. And I swear to God that like the first dialogue involving them is uh, Pat McAfee stating, there is a lot to talk about. And Graves responds, oh, is there ever? So we have Pat McAfee on the show. And I don't know if they talked about any of uh, the actual things we wanted to no, they did, they did not get into any of that. I would state that it was um, very, very, very evident that Pat McAfee is a busy man doing his show and uh, catching up on WWE programming is not a big priority for this uh, this uh, father of a young child and doing a daily show because, dude, he seemed so out of the storylines. Like there was even points Cole was making fun of him about like, dude, you got to catch up a little bit on stuff. Like he was totally just on autopilot when it came to his calls and relying on Cole and Graves for any of the current stories. I agree. I, I, I'm not going to say he was a detriment to the show because I felt like his role was, you know, pretty diminished, but in no way did he accentuate the show for me. Maybe, you know, if you're a big Pat McAfee fan, seeing that uh, uh, the Rumble appearance or seeing just his initial appearance might have like done something for you. He is a big mainstream name, I suppose, to attach to your show. But in terms of quality of show, uh, he did not accentuate it whatsoever like he had in the past. So see, a celebrity uh, appearance to me would have been great for him to be in the Rumble. That would have been a cool spot for him on this show that gets you that attention Uh, for a four plus hour broadcast. I really enjoyed Pat McAfee when he was a SmackDown broadcaster because Mm -hmm. he was on top of everything and he added so much energy. But you got none of that because he's going on just like base knowledge of these characters from when he was there. So he really did not add anything to me. 
and uh like in, I, in some ways maybe it's totally disposable on this show maybe it was just detrimental to your product because you have a bit of an art donovan effect and and i i apologize for even making those comparisons but somebody like a pat mcafee coming across like um he's doing everything but watching your product kind of makes the product feel not that important but i do have a lot of sympathy um for a man with a brand new child not keeping up with every every one of these Wait, shows. you're on top of everything okay you're you're never mailing it in this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet's smart money podcast financial literacy can be daunting but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet's smart money podcast their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio if you think an etf is one of cena's five moves of doom this show might be for you Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The Women's Royal Rumble kicks things off and Natalia is the first entrant and returning in the number two position. It is Naomi who Michael Cole notes, um, the last time we saw her was in May of 2022. You're right, Michael Cole. That was the night that, uh, according to uh, on the broadcast, as Michael Cole alerted us, they let us all down and disappointed our millions of fans in the locker room. We did not get an apology here, even if those were words inserted into Michael Cole's mouth. But uh, nonetheless, um, she's back. She is back. Yeah, as I think many people expected, you know, one of the big surprises as part of this uh, Royal Rumble. And um, I think Impact did a great job of like doing a small scale version of her entrance. But it was always it's always nice to see that WWE stadium level production and, you know, in Florida, no less. So um, she got very emotional just simply doing this walkout here. And and, uh, definitely they tried to play it up with the cameras by letting the moment pause and seeing the almost the tears in her eyes. Yeah, and got the Iron Woman spot in in the match too, um, along with Bailey, who was number three into the Rumble, and the crowd was into Bailey at the beginning here, even though she's like playing heel early on. Candice LeRae was fourth, and the number five was TNA Knockouts Champion Jordan Grace, um, who, whose name had been uh, reported earlier in the day, uh, comes out and. For all like the the, the concern, uh, like it, it hasn't been too prevalent, but you've had like some of the uh, man, are they going to know uh, Kazuchika Okada if he shows up at WWE? Dude, Jordan Grace got like a tremendous reaction coming out. I think Okada will be just fine if he shows yep. up uh, in a WWE setting. Came out with the title. This was a obviously a uh, partnership with TNA and WWE. And dude, they booked her really well in this match. They mm-hmm. like set up programs for her afterward. I, I mean. They teased a tag team with her and Ivy Nile. I thought they did a fantastic, like, th- this was was not my favorite Royal Rumble match, but Jordan Grace, I thought, came off really, really well. They put the belt over afterward. Like, they could not have, I think, done a better job with Jordan Grace here. I think in terms of surprise, this uh, this certainly outdid the, the men's Rumble, in my opinion. And, and this might have been, like, among the bigger surprises on the entire show, if... I mean, Jade, to, to, depending on who you ask, might might have been expected. I don't know how many of us, maybe prior to the reports, would have expected a TNA champion to appear on this year's Royal Rumble. Um, Mickey James, of course, had done it in the past. You had but... the precedent of the relationship, but still, like this was a this was a cool one. Like, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's great it... for for TNA, and I would say if like mm-hmm. if I was WWE, I would definitely want like 
to you know do some follow-up to this like tna would be more than happy to and you tease some things here that i think people would would have been more than happy to see i think wwe benefits from this in much the same way i think they benefited from the mickey james um this is almost different though because jordan grace had has sort of had never had a wwe you know appearance no. so for, she's 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 there were probably maybe at least some concerns that she might be an unknown but i think obviously it didn't end up that way she got a good reaction and got a great reaction online and i think doing something like this kind of builds that even though hunter hates the term that sort of forbidden door credibility that aew has enjoyed so much you never know who's going to show up now in in modern day wwe this is also the perfect type of match i think to debut with jordan grace somebody as you know unique and powerful she immediately stands out among the pack and uh, they actually gave time for them to recognize the TNA rivalry with her and Naomi. Or Naomi for the title at Hard to Kill. I mean, they bring that up. They they pause in the ring and hug. That you explain the relationship, and then they go at it. Uh, McAfee's asking, "Is this the TNA champion?" And uh, Grace uh, does hit a Grace driver onto Naomi. So and and she got like a decent like run in the in the rumble. I mean, we can fast forward, but a, a pretty. You know, significant elimination too with Bianca Belair and the KOD mm. on the edge. Like I just, you came out of this and like there, there were like three to four matches here that you had set up for Jordan Grace in a WWE setting. This was great booking of Jordan Grace and TNA certainly benefits. At the same time, you have to ask, how long will she stay in TNA after getting a reaction like this? I mean, she's under, she is under a contract there. My question is. How how much better did they book the knockouts champion in one night than they have the women's tag champions in the existence of those belts in WWE? Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was like that. Mm -hmm. Indy Hartwell is in sixth. Then seventh is Asuka. And Bailey is confused because she thought the plan was she would win the Royal Rumble. So what is Asuka doing in here as well? But then just started working with Asuka. Uh, The first elimination is uh, Indy Hartwell, who is dumped out by Bailey. Then we have number eight, the Pitbull from Monday Night Raw, according to Michael Cole. It's Ivy Nile. Pat's response, the Pitbull. God bless this, him. This was now becoming my 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 guilty pleasure of this this broadcast. <laughs> how how much does this guy weigh? Yeah, exactly. Katana Chance is ninth. Dude, this was so funny. She comes out and Katana Chance is just like electric. She's so happy. She's pointing, and as she's got like the biggest smile on her face. It's Katana Chance. She just lost the women's tag titles last night. And she's like not selling this title loss in a a bit. It was just funny Uh, with the the commentator. It says she's just so happy to be kind of like this. She just lost the belts last night. (laughs) I mean, that was fun. Now she's got uh, bigger things to focus on. Yeah. And now maybe she could focus on something else. Like, yeah. Uh, Grace and Nile did uh, these tandem uh, delayed verticals onto Chance and Larray. Bianca Belair comes in 10th, uh, hops over the rope, nearly tripped here, and noting that she won the Rumble in this stadium in an empty Tropicana field back in 2021. And Belair really did bring up the energy here for a bit as she's just going from woman to woman. Because, I mean, th- this was something that I thought was consistent, like in both Rumbles. Like, there was a lot of downtime for these audiences that, like, the, the heat just did not last. And maybe we can have a discussion later just about sort of the, the format of the of the Rumbles. Uh, Kyrie Sane was out 11th. Then 12th is Tegan Knox as they have a debate about her shining wizard in comparison to Mudo's. And Natalia goes to throw out her partner, Tegan Knox, but Knox reverses, sending Natalia out. And Natalia was in first and lasted a 
decent amount of time. And then Bailey sends Knox out. So it looks like we are content. This was almost the exact Electra Lopez Lola Vice spot they did in the women's uh, battle royal on NXT a few weeks ago, where it was like, here are the longtime partners that have not shown any cracks in the foundation. And then, boom, one eliminates the other. And it looks like we're just finally getting to the program with Natalia and Tegan Knox, or at least the beginning of it, because I think everyone was expecting a turn on week two. Right. Yeah. I, I expect this to just be more of a sort of like, hey, like we we're sorry, we don't know what got into us. And let's just, you know, continue to be friends. I just don't even think people would care enough if they actually turned on each other by this point. It could be it could be something. Caden Carter is out uh, 13th and then uh, 14th is Chelsea Green, who comes out and she's so, got. So I think we should mention this incredibly uh, unique Kyrie Sane. Oh, yes. Hey. Yes, yeah, this okay. was the best, well, I was going to say near elimination, but elimination spot on the show where she is thrown over by uh, Sane or by Carter, and she ends up holding her hands on the edge while her feet are against the like LED board. The grip that she had here was insane uh, and then had to let go and go to the floor. I didn't know how she could possibly get back up from this but th- this was yeah. a very clever well uh, it, this just looked amazing for the yeah time. yeah I, and i think it, it was probably only about the tease there's no possible way she would have been able to climb back up from from something like this but still it, it made for a very impressive visual just when you think that um people have figured out every possible way to i don't know play with the, this this four-sided structure yeah and then oscar gets dumped out next so bailey's alone and she's yelling to them what about the plan and um so Bailey's all alone. Turns out the plan was okay. Chelsea Green was 14th. And was what was most notable is that she comes out, and this is in Florida, and she has a pride flag. And I think that this was very deliberate and was like a, a subtle um, a, a subtle mention of like what, you know, the the don't say gay bill uh, in, in Florida. I mean, a lot of people made the uh, the, the connection here and given mm. the, the state that they were in. I did but, not realize. Um, wow. This was limited to Michael Cole of uh, she's got a very unique outfit on. Uh, so Belair goes to eliminate her. They explained that Chelsea was in for five seconds last year. So she was able to beat her mark from last year. And this is when we get the elimination of Jordan Grace, but a really great, like to, to me, she was one of the stars of this women's battle Royal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I almost have to think at some point WWE will want to pick her up. Piper Niven is 15th and she catches Chelsea being knocked off the apron and teases dropping her on the floor, but rescues her, placing her on the steps. And what I liked about both rumbles is they, they put the, the times of the longest three uh, with those. I think the rumble, you could play with a lot more stats and graphics Mm -hmm. throughout the broadcast. People love those numbers videos every year. And you could have ongoing stats that are just showing on screen, like number of eliminations, interesting facts, I think it would really play well to that. Um, I mean, I, as, I, I just like the simple like graphic of like the top three longest people in the rumble. F1 is like the best at that. Like, yeah, stats it's that, definitely like, influenced never... my viewing of this where there's a lot you could. You, I, I think they don't like having a busy screen, but I think there's a lot to that you could have fun with in a match like this, especially for all the people that are at home with their pools and stuff like that. Like that mm-hmm. should be something at the rumble. This is the person that was in the longest. This is the most eliminations. Like have like a breakdown. I think people would love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope to see more in this direction in the future. Number 16 was someone by the name of Zia Lee. I think I might have heard of her. Yeah. Well, Michael Cole has just this trove of stats. 
And for Zia Lee, last year she lasted over 15 minutes in the Royal Rumble. Okay, that is a stat. It's not an impressive stat, but it is a stat that she lasted over 15 minutes last year. Zelina Vega came out. This was uh, this outfit was insane. I think that this thing would probably get you turned away at your um, nearest airline. Uh, there's no way this is in your carry-on um, that that she had coming out here. I mean, this is hmm. how do you even store this? Um, yeah, you might have you might have to drive it. What, one of these days, one of these outfits that these women come out with, they're going to fly to the ring. I think. Uh, uh very possible. Maybe if you flew out of the ring, I guess you technically would avoid elimination. Very smart. Max, can you just imagine like, you know, Zelina working on this and, you know, helping her glue on maybe the pink blade on uh, gun number wing number five is Alice uh, Malachi Black, you know, like holding (laughs) holding this in place so that she can she could do all this. This is something else, man. Like I. Yeah, it's it takes a lot uh, a lot of work for maybe the for whole all of House of Black might have uh, joined in on on the construction of this. Could be. 18th was Maxine Dupree. I, I'm a big fan of like the personality, the character of Maxine Dupree, but man, is she she is very inexperienced. I at this point, um, I might be c- kind of over this Maxine uh, Dupree in ring experiment. Um, yeah. They they have used her sparingly, uh, and I think she started off with a great, you know, um, like very impressively in limited capacities. The Japanese not- Ocean Cyclone Cyclone Suplex was like a real um, distraction. Um, yeah, like, man, but, but this, has- this tilt a whirl head scissors she gave to Bailey <sighs> had to be like just not good. And then they did it again, oh, and it was still not very good. Um, I, it, 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 it's unfortunate. Like she, you at this point kind of have to ask: Should she be put into this position on national TV because she's clearly just not ready? And it's it's um, it was kind of cute, you know, at the beginning. I think she could still get involved in spots here and there, but I think I'm kind of she needs a lot more time off screen, you know, to to build herself as a as an actual in ring contender. Yeah, it's it was like to me very very um evident here. Nia Jax is 19th, and she just she had the most eliminations in the match with eight, and just played monster uh, throughout her period. Then Shotzi is out in the tank, which uh, McAfee noted uh, she used to shoot actual missiles out of back on SmackDown. Actual missiles came out of this tank. Mm, okay, and, uh, everyone survived. Um, so they uh, we get the reverse caterpillar from Maxine to to Jackson, and everyone's working to eliminate Jack. She just throws them all off. And then uh, Green and Niven are thrown out by Jax, followed by a military press sending Chance out. Becky Lynch is 21st. I would say the biggest reaction so far of the women that had entered. She comes in 21st to square off with Nia. Then Elba Fire. Um, dude, she came out. I don't think anyone knew who Elba Fire was. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hits the uh, a double KLR bomb onto Shotzi and Vega, <laughs> lifting both of them up. Well, at least she was in the match. I mean, poor Isla Dawn um, was a part of the entrance. She just walked out and then, uh, well, she walked out into the arena and then wished Elba Fire a good day and sent her off to school and she went to the back. Shayna Baszler was 23rd. Valhalla is 24th. I don't know what was up with Michael Cole, but he lost his mind that she was wearing these antlers that she has apparently not been wearing for weeks. I think that there was some some kind of joke on commentary oh. or like um, or at least some mistake Cole made pointing out antlers. And then like Barrett would have got on him about there being no antlers. And so, yeah, I don't know. So then number 24 is 
we get Valhalla coming out and our truth follows down and everyone goes nuts because it's our truth, but he's confused that this is the women's Royal Rumble and has to be explained this by Adam Pierce. Now, I will give them credit that for the spot, they at least did uh, line it up so that he was 24th in the men's match, which is the number he came out here. However, mm-hmm. they do this spot on SmackDown where he goes into the Tumblr and he opens up his number. He's like, does this mean I have to quarantine? And mm-hmm. it was like, it takes you a second. I'm like, oh, he's 11th. That's really clever. Like he got a positive COVID test. 11. The oh, two the two lines. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay, he's I don't 11th. Know. If you go to 24, would that be your response? Would be I got a quarantine? I thought it was a really clever joke, but it didn't make sense on this show with right. the 24th. I, I wondered if that was their intent. Um, and I wondered if they would they would have expected the audience to think to that level. Um who knows what goes on in the mind of our truth and who knows what sort of COVID tests the man has used in the past. You know, maybe maybe his is is a is a number. Um in the 24 uh, it, de- it definitely like to me dampers the joke a bit because i thought i thought that was like legitimately like clever um mm. uh, for, from our truth here but anyway so he's he's sent to the back haha michin 25th zoe sark 26 and then roxanne perez is 27th uh came out good reaction for her i wouldn't say like uh like any like big standout eliminations or anything but um it, it was you know she was in for a bit here she looked good she looked good in the ring I yeah like it was, it was not, not nothing bad um just not like one of the big standouts because number 28 was the mm. big arrival of jade cargill and she got a tremendous reaction coming out and steps up to nia Jax, really heated for this and then ends up lifting jacks on her shoulder but drops her and then lifts her for the body slam and just gets Jax over. So she gets to eliminate Nia Jax while Becky looks on and laughs at Nia. So interestingly, uh, they start off her theme music also with A Storm Is Coming, just like her AEW theme. And it's a theme song that sounds very similar to her AEW theme song. Uh, but crowd- I heard it right. I think Corey Graves was trying to like, did she just say, I'm that chick? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that is the oh, the new version of the, the alteration. Yes, the new version of I'm that bitch. Yep. So uh, holy shit chance for her. And I think a very impressive initial display here of power. I mean, they spend all that all that time building Naya, not just in the body of this match, but in the weeks prior, you know, as, as one of the few women in this rumble with like some sort of possibility of winning this thing, all the setup for this Jade Cargill spot. Listen, I. I, I was not high on them bringing back Nia Jax, but I would say that they have booked her really well. And mm-hmm. she's a great last obstacle for Becky going into WrestleMania. Like I, I think they've done like overall, like they've booked her really well. And this rumble was evidence of this was sort of these last three months. This is what they got out of it. Like she got to be like the big um, villain in this rumble match. I would go as far as to say she might be the only actual heel in the entire company on the women's side of things. Like, who else? You know, that that's as over, I, I suppose. She might be the most yeah. over female heel because certainly Rhea Ripley is not very much of a heel anymore. Um, and won't be next month in Australia. Mm-hmm. And on, like, Bailey is not that anymore. Like, who else is there? You know, Naya, like, just judging by this rumble, got one of the biggest reactions, was used to great effect. So a total, total win, in my opinion. 29th was Tiffany Stratton coming out and landing a swanton onto four of the women. And number 30 is the returning Liv Morgan. So that now we are, are getting down to things here. Uh, Naomi lasts over 60 minutes uh, before she is finally limited at the 62 minute mark. 
Um, we get a showdown between Jade Cargill and Bianca Belair. Crowd goes wild for that, but then Bailey and Stratton cut them off. Becky is sent to the edge of the apron, and then Naomi gets swung by Jade. And in swinging Naomi, she knocks Becky off the apron and lands on the floor. I would say this was a fairly anticlimactic end for Becky um, at, at the end of it, but it was, mm-hmm. and also tying it more so to to Jade rather than um, Nia Jax getting one more up on Becky in, in this match. That really did seem to be the intent. They wanted to put Jade over strong, and not only did she eliminate Nia Jax, but also to have Bel Air and and also Becky, sorry Naomi and Becky Lynch, you know, uh, under her belt for her first appearance. That's really strong, and it also builds up potential programs with all three of them. Yeah, and then Jade follows by eliminating Naomi, who was the longest uh, of the thirty women in the match. Uh, Stratton does this spot. This was like when Kurt Angle would go for the the German off the apron and be putting all his body weight, but instead of a German, she's yanking on the braid of Bel Air and she is bending backwards completely. And Bailey just comes up and knocks both of them off the apron from uh, this position as she goes up. So Mm -hmm. Bel Air, Stratton are gone, and we are down to Bailey, Jade Cargill, and Liv Morgan. And Jade stops Oblivion. All three end up on the edge and. They're, they're all landing strikes. They stop Cargill from skinning the cat. And then there's an oblivion on the edge, sending Jade out by Liv. And then Bailey kicks Liv off to win the match in 65 minutes. And um, I'm corrected here. It was Bailey that lasted longer than Naomi because Bailey, they announced her oh. time at 63 minutes and three seconds. Naomi was announced at 62 minutes. So she slightly beat out Na- Naomi. So bo- both of them got kind of the, the Iron Woman run in this match but bailey had seven eliminations and in theory this this would appear to be the the smackdown title match the the way they eventually work their way towards that but that's you know probably still another month or so of crafting through this damage control fracturing yeah the story is that she's going after rhea ripley's championship to um complete the damage control sort of um i don't domination of the entire women's division but uh yeah uh it seems very likely that she's going for eo so um so this rumble i i've seen mixed reaction to for me like when i watch the rumble i i maybe put a bit more weight on sort of the consistency of the entertainment and the interest uh in ring it was certainly sloppy uh, but i thought they managed to hold my attention throughout almost the entirety of it um It'll be probably be remembered most as you know Jade Cargill's debut, and I thought they did a great job with her. You know, um, in what we were able to see, there might might still be a little bit of awkwardness in ring, but I think the Rumble match is um, again a lot of that is forgiven, and the booking is probably the most important thing. And also, she uh, the physical feats are very important. So they did a tremendous job with her huge elim- eliminations with Nia, Naomi, and Becky lasting to the final three. You know, um, that alone, I think, is enough to give her an impressive headline coming out of this match. I thought they did a good job with Liv Morgan on her debut. You know, having her last to the final two technically and getting a big elimination of Jade Cargill. That, too, I think is something they should be promoting. Um, Naomi, I thought she was she was the Iron Woman. and I guess they can't really promote that now but still somebody who lasted for the duration of the match jordan grace i thought they did a great job with representing tna i thought perez and stratton from nxt had impressive showings in their supporting roles as well uh mac you know chelsea had some pretty decent comedy getting caught in between naya and uh a uh, uh, piper so i overthought all thought it was entertaining not that pretty in ring but in terms of entertainment i thought it was very well laid out 
I think that there were there were certainly standouts in in terms of like like this was a a rumble that we constantly were maligning just for the lack of buildup for a lot mm-hmm. of the key people going in. Now coming out of it, you did introduce some new characters. There were some returning ones, and I think that on both Raw and SmackDown, you do have some more interesting characters. But th- like these are these divisions, like both sets of women's divisions on Raw and SmackDown. Like you do have a lot of, you do have a lot of talent. It just doesn't feel that like there's way too many of like the Zyalees that sort of will focus on and then they're gone. And a Zoe Stark who's involved in this big Trish Stratus program, but then gets de-emphasized. Shayna Baszler with Ronda Rousey, Meechin, like all these different people that it just seems like it's so start and stop that you don't you don't get any momentum. And then all of a sudden it's you're, you're Tegan Knox. Um, yeah. And I, I think coming out of it, you at least do have like a bit of a of, of a refresh with, with several of these newer figures um, coming out of it. But I, I just felt like this was one show where I do feel like you are looking at two Royal Rumble matches. And I think a lot of just the basic ideas that you don't necessarily get these. Like, I, I certainly feel Royal Rumbles of of the past they could come up with a lot of interesting creative stuff, different interactions, and there's a degree of it. But I would say like it it does feel there is some uh, there is a lot of pattern to it when you have two of them uh to to compare and it does result in some dead time for for these crowds as well beyond just the mm-hmm. countdowns. Yeah, I felt I felt that way with the men's. I felt this one at least had a bit more surprise attached to it. You know, you had Jade Cargill, you had Naomi, you had Jordan Grace, you had a couple NXT people, you know, make their appearances as well. And I thought that held everything up pretty well. Um, but the, there's a mid, there's a, there's a, there's a storyline problem, you know, in the company, if you're not a part of the main event scene. Then we go to Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, LA Knight, and AJ Styles for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship and uh, Slim Jim plastered all over the place. And this is Roman's first match since Crown Jewel uh, almost three months ago. They corner and attack Reigns at the beginning, and then everyone goes to the floor. Knight and Orton take turns dropping people on the desk before Knight ends up uh, taking a getting back suplexed onto the desk. Reigns gets the heat, and then Knight fires up and hits a pit bull off the turnbuckle. And then he runs across the ring, leaps to the top for a superplex to AJ. I will say this for, for LA Knight for some of his, um, you know, TV matches that are not always the most uh, engaging. I, I thought this guy worked really hard in, in this match to like, yeah. um, you know, he, he was the big standout in this match to me. And maybe that's because he's he was super over like this, this audience, like they, it, Randy was the big favorite, but LA Knight like had a lot of fire in this match and the audience, they get behind him. I, yeah. Like there, there were some near falls that they were behind. Like he, he really does have a fall. That so, is clear. You know, AJ is like one of the best ever. And we always just kind of expect the best of, of AJ, but um, he's in there with Roman Reigns who wrestles like a very slow style. Randy Orton, who also wrestles a very slow style. And by AJ default, was very important in this match. By default, you kind of had LA Knight being like the second fastest workhorse in this entire match. But LA Knight like delivered. He, I, I thought he looked great. There was a blunt force trauma to Roman, and then AJ breaks the cover. Reigns took a Styles clash. Knight broke that up. And then uh, 
Randy's selling his shoulder for a bunch signals for an RKO, but gets, uh, he turns around and as AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm, he is stopped on the top and Randy turns it into an RKO, then delivers one to LA Knight, but Reigns hits him with the, uh, goes for the Superman punch and he gets caught with the RKO. So some great sequences here with three consecutive RKOs. Again, we're we're doing the show right afterwards, but like I I I do I, I am a bit suspicious about the the shoulder uh, for Randy Orton because I don't think it really played into any storyline. No, it didn't. He I was mean, you, really... you know he's had those those issues before, which you know the, the commentators brought up as well. But yeah, it mm-hmm. it didn't play into anything certainly, and so, he was definitely favoring the, the the shoulder and not in the typical selling way. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure we'll get an update by tomorrow, but um, I hopefully he's okay. The man just came back. So they, all three guys have been hit with RKOs and Randy goes for the pin and right at the end, Solo appears ringside and yanks out the referee. This crowd's furious. They do explain there's no DQ, so he's a, he, he can do this. And he hits Randy with a Samoan spike, then LA Knight with one, stacks them on top of each other, and then Solo eyes AJ on the floor and this guy runs into the barricade, missing AJ, and thankfully missed Samantha Irvin, who was like an inch away from being crushed by this man coming through the barricade. And from there, um, there's a phenomenal forearm to Roman, and it's AJ who has all three of them stacked, and they all kick out with AJ on top of them. The crowd's getting behind this in a big way. AJ uses a chair and then gets poked in the eye by Orton, spear by Randy uh, by Reigns to Orton and he's left with LA Knight in the ring Knight hits his el- his elbow drop stops the BFT and knocks AJ off balance during his phenomenal forearm attempt and as Knight is sent out with a superman punch Roman spears AJ for the win in 19 minutes and 29 seconds um crowd was pretty hot for this and especially the the ending uh minutes like I I thought this was a pretty entertaining match on the show I would go so far as to say it was probably the match of the show of the four <laughs> yeah of the four i i that's an interesting sort of uh, uh question it's, it's well, a weird show to give match yeah. of the show but th- this would have been my match of the show if you were uh isolating it two matches that were very different from the other two right yes. so um i guess yeah sure I, I i wouldn't disagree with you there i thought like um it, it had a really well coordinated finish but i generally just don't like four ways all that much and um, I, I, I will say, I, I think they did a pretty good job, like with the format and the match here, D- despite how predictable the outcome was, I thought they did a good job in building up like two very good false finishes here. One with, uh, Orton, uh, with that RKO counter to, to the Superman punch, which looked incredible. And then AJ doing the stacking pin, um, after the phenomenal forearm, I thought those two got great reactions and I was impressed with LA Knight here. You know, it felt like he was uh, responsible for like a majority of the spectacular action in this match, which I wouldn't have expected going in and he looked very impressive but again just kind of continues to feel like he's very comfortable in this sort of main event spotlight so uh for roman like this seemed like it was maybe a good breakup of like the usual one-on-one pattern i i do contend that i think you lose a lot of personal like intimacy in the feud when you're trying to build a feud with four people versus just a one-on-one encounter that he could have had with a randy orton for instance um but in ring it offers something a little bit different though i am like getting very tired of like these sort of like uh lack of creativity of these run-ins with solo sakoa or jimmy uso it's getting very house of torture like so i just i want a bit more creativity even if you're going to cheat you know especially if this is this is a reign that might continue 
Logan Paul, Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. Cole compares Logan Paul with Pat McAfee, people that doubted them coming into WWE, and Pat downplays his comparison to Logan Paul. So Owens is selling the hand, and I I really liked some of like the the work on the hand. It was just it was it was the story they focused on it, and you had uh, Logan Paul like pinning the hand down and just like punching it. Um, then he started working the Kimura, which uh, Michael Cole, our uh, resident BJJ black belt, was noting. Oh, that's that's gonna affect the hand. Hey, all uh, all bones yes. are are connected in in some ways. I mean, yeah, I guess it's it's a shoulder lock, but I guess he you are holding the hand. You know, if you want to lo- isolate the hand, that would be a it's a pretty good move. Then uh, then Cole went for uh, uh, to note the uh, this the significance of the, the octopus submission from uh, Antonio Inoki as well. One of Cole's favorites. And then Owens makes his comeback cannonballs, a frog splash for a two count and then a swanton lands on the knees. And Paul misses his own swanton before a buckshot lariat, which they don't call a buckshot lariat. What they call it here, like a, a spinning lariat. I think that's what it's like identified that. as. Mm-hmm. And then th- Logan Paul hit this insane splash off of the top. I mean, the height that this guy got was incredible. And Paul then gets onto the ropes and he calls out to Corey Graves that you said no one could superplex Owens. Well, watch this. And he gets Fisherman suplexed uh, off by Kevin Owens. Paul then unwraps the hand, but uh, Paul then nails him with his own punch with the titanium right hand. For a two count, Logan Paul is shocked that he kicked out of this. And then a member of Logan Paul's entourage, who we saw back at SummerSlam, man's got a name. That's Jeff. It's Jeff. They don't tell us what Jeff does. Like they, they just say like he's Logan Paul's friend. And they're I'm I'm almost surprised that the man has been involved in what like three of these like Logan Paul matches now. And we've yet to have like even hear from him. Like it's just assumed everybody knows. Every, like we finally got a name so maybe um you know in two years we'll, we'll actually hear um what he sounds like but well, he must be a pretty big deal i suppose on his show well as security dealt with jeff this was a distraction for waller and theory to come down and theory passes the brass knucks but they get uh fended off and owens takes control of the brass knuckles nails logan paul and he's got the match one and then referee ryan tran counts one two and at the last second in the greatest reaction facial reaction on this entire show ryan tran spots the brass knucks and he calls for the dq 1401 the crowd was furious dude nine times out of ten i'm always going to bemoan a lame dq finish after a big long match (laughs) i did not have any problem with this ryan tran was so awesome and this crowd they were like this was not a grown reaction this was like they were furious about this injustice after kevin owens was defending himself with the knuckles that uh logan paul's entourage introduced here so i wasn't as negative on the finish maybe some others were but good match for 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 what it was it was like both work hard uh, for this, and I guess your your mileage will vary based on the finish. So Ryan Tran responsible for at least one of the stars of whatever star rating you'll give this match. Oh, Ryan Tran would get a few of them in this. Yeah, right. he, was, okay. he was excellent. I, I like that the match was like Paul's attempt to to perhaps show a different side of his game, you know, doing a bit more sort of a, 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 a body part psychology here, working the match around Owen's arm and um, as a result, though, like it, it was not the type of Logan Paul match that I think had much material for a highlight reel. Um, and for me, maybe not one of the more memorable performances from Logan Paul. Also, at this point, like we are we kind of know what to expect from him. And it's not as big of a shock to see him do a big crossbody. Um, 
I also felt like the interference with Waller in theory might have been mistimed. It felt like Jeff, like whatever was going on with Jeff, like took <laughs> took forever, you know. And I don't know if Waller and theory were supposed to come out in the middle of that, but that felt a bit awkward to me. The unsatisfying finish, coupled with all of that as well, I I wasn't feeling as um, high on this one as as you might have, John. And are you excited for a second match if they do it? Um, sure. They could do it in Australia, do something where um, Jeff is banned from the building. All right. We have one more match to go, which is the men's Royal Rumble match. Although we are going to take a, uh, a an intermission of sorts because joining us right now, uh, this could be our sponsored segment of, of the show. But uh, C4 Energy is not presenting this segment. We are joined by Brandon Thurston, fresh off of the Royal Rumble event at Tropicana Field and the ensuing press conference after the fact. How are you tonight, Brandon? I'm disappointed. How are you? <laughs> how long was that show how long did it feel inside tropicana field because it was fine. This, is, I, this has to be the longest yeah. four match wrestling show in history it was a long longer show i mean we didn't it got done at about midnight eastern um only four matches when i, I knew that going in i thought okay it's going to be a usual wwe ple and it's going to be you know three hours or so but it was on the long side i i wasn't you know you know complaining it wasn't causing me pain or anything but but maybe some things that happened in the press conference did at what point did you learn that the press conference, in fact, would be happening? Um, I was handed a bracelet sometime. I, I texted you. This is all contemporary, contemporaneously recorded, right? At some sometime well into the show, I would say probably beyond halfway through the show, we got press uh, bracelets that look like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, and, and I think they gave them to everybody in that who was seated in the press box. I think there was some media who had seats elsewhere, but we were there were I don't know. 30, 40 people, I, I might be low uh, in the in the press box. And I think they were all given um, bracelets, including Diamond Dallas Page. Did he have any, um, w- was he rating matches? Was he taking notes? Uh, what, what outlet was he representing in the media I, box and at I the press know. conference? No. I, I, I don't, I don't know. DDP yoga, maybe. So, um, I mean, tell us just kind of your thoughts about, um, you know, speaking. So sure. I, I, I was least listing as I was leaving the building. You, you, John has seen it maybe, but not way. We've both seen it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, did you start after the press conference was finished? We only uh, watched the Lebec portion. You multitasked? Okay. Yes. Um, so Cody was also asked a question. I don't know if you're aware of that. And Cody, I mean, I, I, Cody is a higher level of talent. Uh, if you're going to ask it to somebody, at least it was asked to somebody who's a higher level talent. Um, and he just sort of said some stuff about, you know, is a family and we found out about this in real time when you guys are finding out about it um and then we went to, to paul Levesque, who had probably a longer than usual preamble mm-hmm. um and then he said okay we'll go to questions i was, I was curious if he was going to do some sort of statement and just sort of get to it and and take it head on before there were any questions about it but he, he didn't address it in his opening remarks and um there were three questions he, he took i don't know maybe some like six questions he kept he, he called for two more questions after byron saxon was ready to wrap up but um he took three questions about the vince mcmahon lawsuit sex trafficking lawsuit um and didn't really answer any of them. Um, John, John Alba asked first. John Alba asked about, I know you guys probably already reviewed this, but mm-hmm. we did. I thought did a real good job of asking a really pertinent question about the board of directors and why um, Vince was let back on to the board of directors after, after his exit uh, earlier. Um, I asked him whether or not he had read the lawsuit, and he said he had not. Um, in hindsight, I wish I had said, had you, had you read any articles uh, with the, some of the graphic details 
Um, I, I, I was pretty stunned that he would state that he has not read that lawsuit. Like, again, I understand like this is, you know, his father-in-law that it deals with, but I, I just don't understand how he could not have read this lawsuit that he, you know, is overseeing all of this talent, all of the staff that he has not, has not read this. I mean, this it would... probably a failure of preparation on my part. I, I could, could have just started reading him some excerpts from it or something. How did you feel like it was interesting to hear from him that he was. I am sure he went into this, not just uh, cold. I think he yeah. was probably very much prepped for this. I think that the introduction at the beginning was likely by design. I was surprised he didn't put a statement out there uh, at the beginning as sort of, you know, to potentially just ward off anyone that was kind of on the fence about asking or not. Um, and then just seemed to go back to. Like I, I said it earlier, I thought it was a really poor choice of words to continue to go back to. It was an incredible week. It was an incredible week. I just think a lot of people are going to take that. Um, I'm sorry, like a, 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 a giant rights deal is not going to supersede what everyone has been exposed to over the past number of days. And I think there are ways that you could divert attention. But at the same time, just going back to that specific line, I don't know that that struck me the wrong way. Yeah, and and to be honest, I, I I take no joy as maybe some other people do in in criticizing the wrestling media. But when we we just read a lawsuit that has multiple, I mean, numerous. I mean, you, there's sexual assault, sexual coercion. There's the graphic descriptions of rape in this lawsuit, and we have some people who are asking about a Netflix deal or asking him about whether the, today's WWE is better than the Attitude Era. I think that's totally. That's that's the, the wrong choice to make when, when we're talking about some of the most serious allegations that we've seen levied against uh, the the most powerful person in the history of of, of WWE has been the patriarch of this company for forty years until now, um, and there should be no other question asked to the executive vice president of this company other than questions concerning that story. Allegations of rape inside of the company headquarters. Like yeah. I just like this is not a distancing ourselves from Vince McMahon's story. This is all under. This is alleged to in part have happened under this roof with knowledge of others. I just uh, absolutely, I can't agree with you m much more than that. Um, I'll give him the credit for the fact that like, we didn't know if this press conference would happen, if he would go out there. I mean, we can, he could have just no comment, no comment. Yeah. And he didn't do that. He, he could and, have just not participated period. Yeah. Like I, I have to give him that, that, that credit for at least going out in front and by following up, uh, such as you guys did after John Elba asked the initial question, like we did get, you know, morsels of information there, like the knowledge that, okay, he has not even read this lawsuit yet. I think that's, that's somewhat noteworthy. It's not breaking news, but that's something. And again, you're, you're or very, will, limited will you read it? Will you read it in the future is something else I could have said. Well, there's um obviously you and I, uh, I think together we, we pooled like all, every possible question that, that would be of, of, of yes. interest here. And I, I, I'm curious, Brandon, um, were there a lot of people that were trying to ask questions and, you know, just be even personally, are you surprised that at this point you are still chosen, you know, for these sort of questions? I, I will say this. It, it, it does seem like they're, they're definitely not trying to avoid me at a minimum. Mm -hmm. I don't know what their thought process is, but it's not hard for me to ask a question. I sort of get the sense that they understand this would be my guess, that they understand I'm, I'm only going to ask a question to Paul Levesque. And they let they let me do it. So so credit to the WPR people for allowing mm -hmm. that to happen. Um, tons of people were raising their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
How would you feel? Um, you know, we didn't get the, a chance to kind of just get your thoughts on the fact that the resignation did go down on Friday night. Slim Jim was out. Slim Jim was back on. Yes, we didn't do a breaking news. Show I didn't. I didn't have the heart to bother you for again on a, on on Friday night. <laughs> You're doing SmackDown with uh, with Neil. You did did just fine. Um, but just, I mean, was that? Were you feeling like this is what this was was leading towards that a, a resignation scene? Like we had discussed as well, like just the the idea that you know it would need to be Vince ultimately. Um, agreeing to a resignation it you know based on like what we could decipher was like he cannot be forced out here um yeah i I was surprised i was maybe being a little bit cynical thinking like well what's what's to really force his hand here you know i I don't know um and we read through the the excerpts from the disclosures that dictate how basically he's installed i I think permanently with with, as as executive chairman and only he can resign or die or become incapacitated to be removed out of that position so anyway he did resign um i was i was asking somebody who i trust knows more about these details than i do to who suggested well maybe you know Ari really took a stand and said that you know perhaps tko could have tried to sue him to go after you know the liability that he may have exposed them to as a result of you know getting them involved in this lawsuit or something like that. So um, there, there may have been legal pressures that TKO could have, uh, could have pressed on him that, that did, you know, encourage him to resign. And what, to the best of your knowledge, what are the steps or the process now of filling that vacated board seat? Yeah, that's a good question. So when TKO was, was formed, they agreed, I believe it was seven and no, because now, now it's 13. Anyway, it's, I think it was four and five board seats, five for TK, five for Endeavor, five chosen by Endeavor, four chosen by WWE, but well, actually by Vince. And that has a sunset date on it of December 31st, 2025. So long story short, when, when Vince leaves, WWE still gets to pick those limited number of board seats until the end of 2025. Who will decide that now are the people that he picked on the board. And by the way, Dwayne Johnson is one of them. Um, and I believe it's Dwayne Johnson. I don't know all of them. I don't know almost all of them. It's Dwayne Johnson. It's Steve Coonan here, who's on the far left of your screen right now if you're watching in video. Uh, it's Nikon. It would have been him. And then one other person who's a new member, whose, whose name I don't remember. Um, so they'll have to pick a new member. And the people who Vince has already picked will decide who that is. No, I don't believe they're going to pick Vince. So. Uh, I'm curious, Brendan, you know, being there, um, how much of the conversation, either with other members of the media or other people that you're interacting with, um, you know, in, in Florida are about the story and what are sort of what's the temperature um, at, at the event itself? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a very sociable person. I, I should be more sociable. Uh, but <laughs> people I did talk with, we talked about it, yes. And, and I even uh, shared some some of my uh, questions with, with some people. Hmm. Uh, I suppose maybe another topic that John and I haven't really gotten into yet was the uh, attendance announcement of 48,044. Yes. Um, to your knowledge, how close is this to w- what a real number might be? Russell Tix had a real hard time getting this map. So we don't have an estimate, I don't think. Uh, Bill from WrestleTix might post an update of some sort. Um, maybe pictures will help him determine an estimate. Uh, as I was walking home, I sent sent in my public records request to the Tampa Sports Authority. So hopefully that will be fruitful. But forty eight thousand seems high to me. Does I, mean, I, I don't doubt it was over forty though. But we'll see. 
Yeah, we we had the interesting comparison for Survivor Series back in November that the number that they did announce, like that was as close to a real number as we've gotten on a WWE broadcast. Like it was not the usual inflated by X thousand uh, tickets. So, I mean, we'll see what the what the end numbers uh, turn out to be. Uh, it's it's very late, Brandon. Um, you did great um, at, at the press mm-hmm. conference. Uh, a, a number of you, I, I thought, did did great by raising the question and and getting Cameron to- Hawkins also asked the question about what what I believe talent and staff could do if they had a problem, something to that effect. That's right. Um, so I encourage everyone to uh, get all of uh, Brandon's on the road edition of WrestleNomics, which will be. Uh, are you going live tomorrow at seven uh, at a special start time of seven p.m. Eastern because. Uh, I'm traveling uh, back tomorrow morning, so I'll be going head to head with the NFC Championship game. Okay, well there, there you have it, everyone. Uh, your your second screen, maybe your first screen experience. But will be, if you're, it'll if be you're a subscriber, uh, you can always catch up on it later, of course. Yeah. Patreon.com/slash WrestleNomics and Brandon and I will be back together on Wednesday. I I say Wednesday, knowing that the schedule is always fluid as we have found out this past week where we did three shows together and three shows that I will say I was exceptionally uh, proud of, uh, especially of the the show that we did on Friday going through this case. It was a, you know, to have to navigate um, some very, very tough uh, subject matter. I think we did it as, as best as we could with uh, what was presented. I'm always happy to do it with you. Um, And and just one thing from a live perspective, the crowd I thought was very hot with the exception of the Kevin Owens and Logan Paul match. I think, I think you're about to review no, we just wrapped. We just did. Yeah. We just did. The crowd was very hot, except for that match. And I heard that it didn't come across on TV. Yeah, there were definitely pockets of the Rumble matches where it seemed like they they kind of came down. Although, of course, for for the countdowns, um, those ones were were evident as well. But that that's interesting to know. Did you get the the sense of, um, you know, the, did it peak for Cody and, and Punk at the end? Was that kind of the the peak of the audience engagement? I, I would say so. Um, I, I felt it was hot throughout, except there was a, a real lull during the, the Owens and Logan Paul match. We were all kind of gaggling up for the for the for the press conference at the end, so it was not not uh, full attention there. But did they I'm let sure you we... see the end of the main event, or were yes, they, yes, they did we saw the event. finish, we saw the last elimination, and then we won. Okay, well there you go. I'm I'm still waiting to find out who won between Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn last February, but uh. <laughs> We will let you go, Brandon. Uh, thanks right. so much for, for jumping on with us tonight. We right. really appreciate I, I won't it. end the stream now. I will just merely act out. Oh, Have a good show. Yeah, yeah don't, that, that's what we call a, a, a Ceno. My, my mouse did start to travel <laughs> over there. I was like, oh, I know what happens. All right. <laughs> oh, take care. Goodness. All right. Take it easy. Thank Brandon. you, Brandon. All right. Brandon Thurston joining us uh, live from St. Petersburg, the site of tonight's Royal Rumble. Yeah. And, and just for me, you know, just to the both of you, just tremendous job trying to cover all of this over the past week, three editions of Pollock and Thurston, all of them incredibly important for uh, your listening. And uh, yeah, just great work. Well, thank you very much. We, uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, as does the weekend who is lending his, his sounds to WrestleMania for, I think they said the fifth consecutive year with gasoline. Uh, that is the WrestleMania theme. What the hell kind of like contract, you know, that has this guy signed? I mean, forget Netflix. And he WWE signed something phone. and he didn't realize what he It's like. Oh, no, this is like in perpetuity. You will provide us one of your hit songs. Five years in a row. I think so. I think it started with blinding lights and that was the pandemic year. So, I mean, how why would that? you want that as an artist? Like, I mean, I, I feel like you're only asking people to, 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 you know, harbor ill feelings towards your music when you're just like, you know constantly shoving it into people's ears like the guys from toronto i feel like i should like him but i just i'm you're not a weekend fan not really are you 
my kids are. They love they love the weekend. Well, I guess that answers that the the question. As Wei mentioned, the announced attendance was 48,044 that Samantha Irvin announced going into the men's Royal Rumble match. And we got like a 1989 Rumble start here where instead of Axe and Smash starting, it was Jay and Jimmy Uso in the number one and two positions. I like this idea. I thought this was a cool um, involvement of the two and pretty heated at the beginning for this as they're just going back and forth with strikes, chance of yeet for every time Jay would land a punch. Grayson Waller comes out, and I don't know if it was my feed or just the mic itself, but it was like cutting out during during this promo on the way to the ring for Grayson Waller. Um, I think it sounded okay to me. I, like, it could I, have been uh, my end, so yeah. we won't uh, criticize the technology. Um, so anyway, he's just cutting a promo on Jay on the way to the ring and saying Yeet is the most cringy thing that he's heard. Fourth is the returning Andrade, who has dropped El Idolo, and he got he a- hasn't. I mean, um. You wonder, but like the music starts off with the soundbite saying El it does Idolo. say El Idolo. You're right, but the, yeah. I, the 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 key did just read Andrade. So right, so he's at least keeping El Idolo, perhaps just as a nickname or just maybe as part of his his theme music, which is somewhat interesting. Yeah, but he he had a good like return pop uh, coming out, and they they treated mm-hmm. him like a star in the match. Yeah, I would say so. I uh, coming out of the match, I don't know how big of an impression he necessarily made, but I mean, he he was like one of the few surprises in this particular. Role. Seems like he'll be involved in some form or fashion with uh, with Santos Escobar and that group, mm-hmm. and maybe he is positioned with with Ray on the LWO side. I mean, in, involved in that story in some way. Mm-hmm. Fifth is Carmelo Hayes, who manages to eliminate Grayson Waller after hitting the first forty eight. Shinsuke Nakamura is out sixth. Um, th- this was not like a big involvement of Shinsuke Nakamura, but his entrance was so great for the reason that we were talking about earlier for Pat McAfee. Cole and Graves are pretty much instructing him. You don't want to be getting up and dancing, Pat. They're pretty much saying he's a heel now and explaining this. Pat still got up for Nakamura's entrance. I promise you, this man has not seen one subtitled promo over these last few months. That oh, would be my, my assumption here. And it yeah. was just hilarious. Like Cole and Graves are basically directing him on the air. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's he's really changed over these last few months since you last saw him. I don't know if you want to be up there dancing now. I'm, I'm starting to think I don't mind these Pat McAfee drop in so much. Maybe, you know, once every six months. I mean, just... I get some enjoyment out of them. I won't, I won't yeah. lie. Give uh, give us your interpretation as somebody who's not watched for the past six months. Santos Escobar is out seventh. As Michael Cole states, the mat, the master of Lucha Lebre. Do you love Lucha Lebre? Come on, dude. This man has to say a lot uh, of words. You're going to pick it. You're going to nitpick every I'm single one. Jerk. I'm being a jerk. I know that. Eighth was carrying cross. So, so Santos and uh, Andrade had a bit of an interaction, um, I guess, um, calling back to their days in CMLL together. So um, they also, though, started, um, I guess, uh, trying to toss each other out soon afterwards. So they might continue, as you mentioned, in some sort of ongoing story. Yeah, Santos tried to recruit him and put the fist out, but Andrade just ignored him. And then Santos jumped him. Karrion mm-hmm. Cross comes out and he's got the black and white entrance, which is way too much like timeless Tony Storm for me now. <laughs> When carrying uh, I can't imagine Timeless Tony Stone was the first person. I mean, it was the NWO that first did it. No, it was, I'm just saying like that. That's where my mind goes now in in present form. So I'm expecting right. like Carrying Cross to be like the love interest in like some film noir. I think that would greatly improve the Final Testament. Dominic is ninth. 
followed by Carlito. Uh, the most over thing Carlito had was his apple. And <laughs> like, how do you not look at this and just think like Tony Storm now and like a shoe being thrown at this man? A little bit, man. Uh, the apple was over. Um, spit it into the face of Santos. And then he throws out Santos. 11th is Bobby Lashley. And Lashley uh, sends Carlito off the apron. He's gone. Spears cross dumps him out. This was like such a nothing elimination for Karen Cross, but then Ellering sends out AOP as Hayes and Andrade try to eliminate Lashley and Cross just pulls him from the floor. So Lashley's out and the Street Profits run down and we get a big brawl between the final testament and the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley. Keep that one fresh on the mind. I got to say, like, I mean, certainly up until this point, this was like a real nothing rumble, you know, just a bunch of people, honestly, like that had no storylines heading into this. Uh, a bunch of mid-carters that aren't even really that interesting interacting with each other. Jay and Jimmy aside, but even that, like outside of the initial initial interaction, they really didn't do anything with them. So this was, at this point, a pretty big lull in this match. Yeah, it's just not a whole lot of creativeness, too. It's like yeah. you get the entrance pop, and then you just go into like Battle Royal stuff. Mm-hmm. Ludwig Kaiser was 12th. And Corey Graves says, have you ever had a conversation with Ludwig? I'm like, okay, this is going to be the best part of the rumble because he's going to do his impression. No impression ever came. Hmm. 13th is Austin Theory. 14th, Finn Balor. Balor is the one to eliminate Carmelo Hayes. 15th comes Cody Rhodes. So he gets the big reaction. They're chatting about, you know, Dusty's influence on championship wrestling from Florida in the area and trying to lean on that history. Bronson Reed is 16th. So he got to play monster for a few minutes here double Samoan drop onto Balor and Dom together and then Andrade goes for a running spinning elbow and Reed just ducks back body drops him out and there were some boos for Andrade's elimination but kind of a nothing elimination too for Andrade and outside of the entrance I I, I don't like certainly not the biggest um debuting rumble of anybody on this show like I thought Jade had a bit better rumble than Andrade I kind of felt Jordan Grace uh, Jordan Grace definitely had a better certainly. rumble than Andrade but yeah. this audience was ready for Andrade to be something like they certainly mm-hmm. reacted to the return that you knew you would get and seemed to be intro- into him um we'll see where they go with him 17th is Kofi Kingston, his 16th Royal Rumble. And uh, Cody eliminates Nakamura after the crossroads. And then Kaiser is eliminated by Kofi. 18th is Gunther, who looks so disappointed at Kaiser, who's been eliminated as he enters. And he goes after Kofi as they're having the match on Monday. Gunther and Cody face off, which they remind us were the final two last year. But then they get separated. And Gunther just places Kofi onto the turnbuckle, kicks him. And Kofi just lands on the floor. And it was uh, the most unspectacular Kofi Kingston elimination. Maybe after he's had some unfortunate um, mess ups the last few years, maybe he has realized the uh, the Kofi Kingston elimination spot is is done because this this was the most bare bones one he's had. The era might be over. I mean, the man has already sort of like, you know, created his legacy. Why um, tempt to maybe he saw Kyrie saying was like, I'm, I'm out of this game. Mm. Yeah, this maybe. Is- 19th was Ivar, and then 20th, Braun Breaker. He comes out, and Michael Cole, I don't know if this stat is true. Let's assume it is. Um, said that when he runs the ropes, he's been measured at running 23 miles per hour. It's so specific, I have to think it is. Don't you? I want it to be real, but I could also just see this. Let's take it. Like, dude, this guy, did you see this tag match on Tuesday with him and Baron Corbin? 
Hmm. against axiom and nathan frazier i mean my god if you thought like braun breaker and baron corbin what a weird tag team that just works um and the way that paul levesque was speaking about him at the press conference um that it's it's just it's time it's time for this guy this Hmm. did not feel like an nxt cameo this felt like it was this is the call up and this guy's been ready for a long time you think right now heading towards wrestlemania is 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 braun breaker's full-time call up I mean, I'd ha- I'd be more questioning it if Paul Levesque didn't like make it so clear afterwards that you know he made it really seem like this is the call up. I mean, we'll see in the follow up here, but he's in- he's in the Dusty Classic, so we know he's doing Vengeance Day next uh, Sunday, and perhaps um, perhaps he gets the call up now. He was certainly booked strong here. They're pretty much doing it with Carmelo already. Like Carmelo feels like a SmackDown you know full time guy already. So uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Braun is the one to eliminate Jimmy Uso, clotheslining him out, then throws out Balor, walks up to Gunther. The crowd's getting uh, into this, and he spears Gunther. Omos. So I certainly would have expected a bigger elimination for Jimmy and Jay. Like, they were just kind of just kind of there. I mean, Jay had the Iron Man, but like Jimmy, I would have expected something tied to Jay for his elimination. So again, outside of that initial interaction, I don't know if you had that much between them throughout. Omos was 21st, and uh, Braun ends up destroying Ivar, throwing him out, and he stares down Omos. 22 hits, and it's Pat McAfee's music playing, and he sells like he has no clue. So he enters the ring, and he stares at Omos and Braun, and then goes to climb over the top and eliminate himself, thinks the better of it, returns to the ring, looks at them again, and then climbs back over again and eliminates himself Um I, I thought this was like just this felt like the, this had like no it's like we came up with this in like five minutes before the for the show of uh, something to think of. So when I saw this, I was curious of at first I'm watching Braun Breaker come out here and he's he's going for Gunther and he's got these eliminations. And I'm thinking, was this the Brock spot to to come in and do something with Gunther and get a couple of eliminations? Um, and then I also see the Pat McAfee spot that. Was this just our our fill in for a spot? And maybe it was an amalgamation of the two. Like, um, anyway, but hard to know. was going to be in the Rumble, was not. So that was that. Yeah, yeah, hard to know. Like, you know, I, I mean, at the very least, they would have had a few days to prepare for, you know, uh, the possibility of not having Brock Lesnar on the show. Um, but I like you, I, I was disappointed ultimately by not just Pat McAfee's perhaps announcing on the show, but but the yeah, just the lack of just any the sort of activity. Spot, yeah. yeah, like it's fine if you're just like a, a Drew Carey perhaps that we don't have expectations for, but we've seen Pat McAfee, McAfee do like what shooting star presses and things like that. So I think getting a little bit involved was at least um, something they uh, this felt like a bit of a bait, bait and switch and, and ultimately felt a bit unsatisfying, you know, to have McAfee just kind of come in and then walk out. Yeah, I mean, if if I was like utilizing Pat McAfee, my goal would be to use him for something that can at least maybe, um, you know, be be spread online, like some kind of clip coming out of it. I mean, this was yeah. what are you going to get out of this? Um, so he lasted 38 seconds. Breaker eliminates Omos and then Dom throws out Braun from behind. Just some bizarre stuff here. Um, Dom gets the elimination. And this was all during like a, a, a mid entrance too. So like production wise, it felt a bit sloppy too. Yeah, because JD is coming out. And then Braun kills JD with a spear on the floor. 
our truth is 24th. Um, so he comes out, distracts JD. So he's clotheslined out and truth is on the apron and wants Dominic to tag him in. So the joke is he thinks it's a tag match. Dom gets out of Gunther's choke and tags truth in. And like the crowd did get into our truth here. He uh, ends up dropping Gunther and goes for the five knuckle shuffle, but is booted in response. Miz is out 25th. So we get awesome truth doing spots together. 26th is Damian Priest. And Priest just throws out R-Truth, and the crowd's livid at the elimination of R-Truth. And McAfee, this is when he is so confused about everything, and Cole just says, you need to get caught up, <laughs> like as he's trying to explain the Judgment Day stuff with R-Truth. Um, 27th, CM Punk, huge reaction for him. And Cole notes, it's his first televised match in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging the house shows, although not mm-hmm. acknowledging AEW, first WWE televised match in 10 years. Yes. Yes. So close enough. He uh, punk punk looked to me a bit more like filled out and muscular. Did did, oh, did you B- feel the same way? Bill is filled. Yeah. He's yes. uh you know certainly he's a he, he's bulked up a little since uh you know AEW. All time. in. Yeah. Yeah. So um Dom tries to toss him out from behind. He gets caught and Dominic is thrown out by Punk and they do note their house show matches that they had last month. Ricochet is out. I bet you would not realize this, but the last time he wrestled on television he's been doing house shows his last televised match november the 6th hmm interesting so he's on that roman reigns uh televised schedule gunther uh, chops miz sends him out 29th is drew mcintyre and uh from there number 30 the returning sammy zane uh so so for cm punk and dominic house shows exist for sammy zane the last we saw of him drew mcintyre had uh Laid him out backstage, and uh, none of the you know Quebec or Toronto house they, shows. They did mention the injury he suffered at that house show with the cut in Toronto, actually. Um, and oh, somehow did they? they did. They did mention that they showed the cut. Um, and I and I think somehow might have attributed it to um a Drew. I don't know, but they um it's the injury. Like no matter what, he's he's going to want to get revenge on the guy who attacked him in the back, right? Yeah. So Zayn is back. Uh, goes after Drew. And then Drew catches a, the foot of Ricochet and spins him backward. This was a crazy elimination. He just basically did a backflip from the Ooh. inside of the ring to the out. Zane catches Priest with a clothesline to eliminate him. And then Drew sends Zane out from behind. So our final four are Cody, Punk, McIntyre, and Gunther. They show Rollins in one private box, Reigns and Heyman in another watching on. And Punk ends up avoiding the Claymore, calls for the GTS, it's blocked. And then Rhodes and Punk both take Claymores. Drew eyes the WrestleMania sign and gets into Punk's face, telling him, I'm not that kid from 10 years ago. Punk just lifts him on his shoulders and dumps him out over the top, and Drew's gone. So Gunther then drops Cody on the edge, and Cody forces him over the top and eliminates Gunther. So we are down to Punk and Cody for the final set of minutes. There is a crossroads that stopped with a slap mare, uh, snap mare, goes for a bionic elbow to Punk, and then Punk, points to the sign after hitting a head kick and Cody stops the GTS hits the crossroads and fires up punk manages the GTS. So both men are down and he explains he didn't wait 10 years to lose to dusty's kid. And with that, he goes for another GTS that Cody counters and throws punk over the top to the floor in 68 minutes and 12 seconds as CM punk loses in his first televised WWE match in 10 years. Um, there was an awesome shot 
of the broken, defeated punk on the floor with the low angle shot of Cody celebrating on the turnbuckle for the contrast. This shot, wonderful. And then Cody points to the WrestleMania sign. We get a million dollars of pyro going off. And then he points to Roman Reigns in the private box. So you came off that it's Cody and Roman for the championship uh, to end the Royal Rumble. Yeah, uh, su- a bit of a surprise here, you know. Um, certainly, it would have been between Cody Rhodes and CM Punk as uh, the, the you know favorites. With I think uh, Punk the the uh, betting odd odds favorite. Um, so I was not expecting Cody to win, especially with all the the Dwayne Johnson news. But this seems to confirm we are going to get Cody Rhodes challenging Roman Reigns for the championship. How Dwayne Johnson plays into everything, we shall see. Um, but for the Rumble match itself, I thought this was, for the most part, a pretty disappointing Royal Rumble match with a lot of filler. Like, it's it's kind of strange because, like, we were both, um, I think, very high on the build towards this Rumble and the fact that they managed to create several, like, interesting contenders. Even somebody like a Gunther, you know, who I, we know isn't going to win, but still, like, at least made a really good case. Drew McIntyre, same. You know, somebody likely wasn't going to win, but made a great case for it. A lot of interesting stories and characters going into it. And the utilization of them all, I thought, was very poor. Like, the first half of this Rumble until Cody came in was just a bunch of unknowns that you couldn't have cared about. And even then, like, the pairings outside of Jay and Jimmy were just not interesting whatsoever. And then even after you had a Cody in there, you had, you know... um, Mm, I don't know, several others. Like, I just didn't get the sense of much, like, interesting sort of connections. Uh, you had an interesting Drew and Gunther sort of chop off. Um, but things really weren't interesting at all until, like, the final two with CM Punk and Cody. That really, to me, made the match. You got a really good match, actually, between the two of them. And they were two biggest favorites. Um, and I thought they had a really good sort of like, what, like five minute encounter just between the two of them before you got that big win. Yeah. I just felt that this was one where I have not been too against the idea of the two rumble matches. Like they introduced the women's one like in 2018. So, I mean, they, they've had, this was like the seventh time they've done this double rumble, but this was one where it just felt to me like it's a lot having the two on the show. And maybe it was like the depth of the, of the women's rumble and how it had been built up counter to the men's match that i thought coming into this like they had presented a lot of great uh you know two really strong candidates in cody and punk and even like to the side like a really good job with gunther on monday drew's been like kind of you know your next tier as well that you go in with with those level i think that you can you can construct a really great rumble when you mix in a couple surprises, some returns, some angles to shoot that you're going in the direction of mania. I was expecting a lot more with Jimmy and Jay in mm-hmm. that direction. And I just think that overall, I think that the rumble has like watching both matches. It just felt like a lot of just the base level of how they present these matches and not enough of sort of the tools at your disposal that, can make these compelling and i think there's more of a demand to make these compelling when you've got two to contrast on one show um that that's how i felt and you know wwe's had a pretty good run of uh premium live events and i'm definitely not uh like in the thumbs down category on this but i didn't think this was a blow away great royal rumble i thought this was like the average at best and i completely state that as well with with the temperament of i 
I like was not even in the mode to be like watching this uh, tonight. I just felt like the the stories this week have like superseded it that I just my interest level was very low going into this, given uh, the circumstances and such. But Mm. um, coming out of it, I mean, you can't criticize the fact that they have set up their matches. The argument of going with punk in this direction is you do risk risk might be a strong word, but I do feel punk winning this. People do want the Punk Reigns match uh, and viewing that as the biggest match. And does that create another kind of hurdle for you to make the audience want Punk and Rollins since they have started that as opposed to this where people know what the match is and it's Cody going for Roman. And if you're going with Punk, you can, I guess, go through the the chamber. I suppose I question whether or not people actually want to see Punk and Reigns. Yes, people want to see it, but I also think 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 people want to see Cody versus Roman more. And and that would probably maybe sway like that would prevent them from wanting, you know, punk to choose Roman mm-hmm. like in, in sort of the, even a fictitious sort of teasing. Um, but I, I think it's either way is fine. You know, this was just maybe a bit more of, of a surprise just given Dwayne. But this was a match that I think a lot of us were um, uh, expecting them to, to, to at least suggest in, in some way anyway. Uh, so how, what do you expect for Chamber? Um Obviously, well, I, I, I figure we probably get like Rhea Ripley's title defense being like the key thing on the show. I think we get the, the in men. the chamber or not. Um, I'll say not in the in the chamber. I think that probably creates. I, I think that is where we might get. Naya? Um, yeah, it's, it's is that a, a big a, enough match. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, point because we were talking about the idea of Rhea and and Naya on that show, but I think you have to have Becky involved with Naya in some form or fashion. And I would see those two in the chamber together. Yeah. Yeah. I could see her defending within the chamber itself. Um, if it's a singles match, then I could see a Naya Jax match, but that feels awful as a headliner. I don't think it'll be strong enough actually in ring as a headliner. So maybe I'm more likely to think that Rhea will defend in the chamber itself. Um, but then they have to find a way to get to a challenger as well. Because Rhea would have to win the chamber, and then somehow you'd have to come out of it with a WrestleMania challenger, which would be Becky, but how would they get there? Hmm. So maybe for that reason, maybe you do get a singles match with Rhea. Anyway, a lot of sort of um, talking out loud, but what about for the men? What do you see the path is um, towards what I think we're assuming to be Rollins and Punk? Yeah, unless unless you go with the idea of pu- putting Drew in there as well, and, and it becomes a, a three way match, like I wouldn't throw that out. I could see like P- Punk and Drew should be a focus. Like you had him eliminate Drew mm. in the, in this match. Like they should be tied in together, and maybe they're in the chamber together. Uh, maybe you come up with a, a different direction. But yeah, that that is where I see that, that going. And that, by the way, um, so that show is airing live uh, from from Perth at mm. five a.m. Eastern time. That show will literally go head to head with Okada's final match in New Japan. Wow, they'll be on. They'll be airing at the same time, um, which is interesting. Uh, the, the the sun. The what is it? Sunday, five a.m. Morning Wars. Yes. Who who would have thought? All right, guys. It is like uh, two twenty in the morning, so we're gonna keep these uh, short for my own uh, well being for for Sunday morning. But we'll go to a, a, a few calls. Okay, let's go to Hanzi. Welcome, Hanzi. Uh, we we ask that you keep your uh, thoughts maybe a bit briefer today, just given the uh, 
how long the show is already. I, I was ready to go for like a ten, ten hour. You know, never mind. Uh, no, uh, listen. Um, uh, I, I felt the same way. I, I I was at social gathering. I didn't really feel like uh, being there. Um, just I don't know. Just all this news, like you know, mess with me. Um, I, I like the title match, the U.S. title match. I liked uh, the women's match, even though I wasn't hyped for a lot of it because of the lack of build. I thought they did the last few minutes a lot better. And I'm actually more compelled to be interested in what Jade and everyone else does. The men's Royal Rumble, I was actually into like the build of it, but uh, you know, I I just thought I it, it, it kind of underwhelmed. I thought Punk should have been out there a little bit more sooner to get more interaction. I would have liked for Punk to win so that we could have saw some Roman Reigns teases. Uh, you know, even if we know he's not going to choose him to choose Seth, whatever. But I, I mean, it is what it is, and. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you guys this. Who, who, who do you guys think like did a worse job answering the question, Tony Khan or Triple H? Peace out. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Hansi. I mean, uh, what it, are we it, referring to? The, the Jericho thing, I guess? For Tony? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think in... I, I really don't like playing these, these comparison games when, when we're talking about like the, these kinds of uh, of matters. Like they, as I've like outlined, th- these are different cases too that we are talking about. Like one has been a lawsuit that has been filed, and the other, like we we've explained, like it's 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 very tricky with with the Jericho one. But at the same time, I think that number one, I think that Tony like just fr- from like wearing the hat and where just. It didn't come off well. I I, I didn't think it came well. It came Remind off. me when the Jericho news, like, or at least when the discussion broke in relation to the the actual event. It was what? the like the the afternoon. The, the the emoji was posted that day, as I recall, like the Saturday. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's still enough time to maybe come up with some sort of a statement. But maybe I'll 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 say that. Um, Levesque certainly maybe had a bit more time um and i think just given perhaps uh, the scope of 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 these allegations we shouldn't even be comparing those two because there aren't even allegations for yeah, jericho like that's thing. um but i it just as in terms of fielding a, a controversial question i i think i'm i'm more disappointed in Levesque. Like just not having you know something just even a bit more formal to be able to say other than i have not read about this and i choose to focus on the positives anyway um let's go up next to some super chats here and um the first one here comes to us from ian and uh basically wants to uh give some love to brandon thurston uh, for at least trying at the presser i'm not going to really read the rest uh it contains some some expletives but thank you ian for it um he is very critical of wrestling media at least or at least uh, some some wrestling media um, let's go up next to Bruce Lord, who sends $10. Thank you, Bruce Lord. He says, proud to be a WrestleNomics subscriber tonight. Support those who ask real questions and don't forget who chose to carry water for this company after this amazing, in quotation marks, week. Thank you, Bruce. Let's go to Nightlife, who sends 20 pounds to say they highlighted Jade Lima's. Did you, can do you know what that means? Okay. <laughs> Jade's a little, Excuse me. Can you finish this? I'm I'm coughing. Here. Uh, but Jade's you know, is barely treated with significance. Same with Breaker, who dominates. So I I don't understand. Sorry, nightlife. We tried. Thank you very much for the super chat, though. But it's also very late. Um, Way's literally yeah. dying here on the on the show. So give give us some leeway. 
Let's go to feet. Uh, let's go to feet. Uh, one more phone call here, and that's from Muggin. Welcome, Muggin. What's up? There's no such thing as a dead end. Uh, I I know my my energy is a little bit low. And I understand it's a little left of two, and I'm just going to keep my thoughts about the rumble very brief. The women's rumble edged the men's rumble by a hair. Okay. I mean, because I mean, I mean, they told a great story. They told a good story with Bailey and um, Damage Control. You know, trying to help, you know, you know, entering the rumble without her knowing about it. Because I saw a look on her face when Oscar came and appeared because she didn't look too happy. And uh, and then Kyrie Sane followed suit, and then you know they both got eliminated, and somehow, some way, you know, she by hook or crook she won. And uh, Jay Carlos Jebu was exactly the way I thought it would be. She got the big elimination on on uh, on Nia Jax. And um, Jordan Grace to me was like Jordan Grace to me got the biggest you know pop out of me because you know like this is the second time WWE has you know hooked up with with, with TNA just like they did two years ago with uh, Mickey in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. That was and, very uh, cool. It was, and um, for me, like the, like for me, the low point of this of this pay per view was you know it was a four way because it's good that they, it's good that they did it early and not at the not at the very end because I mean. Last thing we want is another formulated Roman Reigns ending. Hmm. And, uh, Owens and Paul, Owens and Paul had a very smart finish with, with the referee ca- catching Owens using the brass knucks. And uh, the men, the men's rumble. Okay, very quickly, bugging. Okay, the men's rumble. I mean, I did, I, I thought I had Punk winning it. I did, I did not expect Cody going back to back, but I feel like you know I feel like you know Punk is going to have to find another way to get to Rollins at WrestleMania. So. Like I said at the top, like there's no there's no dead ends, so I think he, he's gonna have to like he's gonna have to enter the chamber match in, in Australia to get to, to get the shot. Since Cody is clearly gonna try to finish his story, how else I guess would he and get a championship match if not the chamber then? Yeah, and last and last one more thing, um, Bailey got to make her choice very very soon because I, I, they can't tease us anymore because it's 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 getting close. To, it's getting very akin to Batista making his decision in 2005. So they, they can't waste any more time. Well, they, thank you, Muggin. They, appreciate yeah, it. Draw things out. Well, thank you, Muggin. We appreciate it. All Want right. Form.postwrestling.com? Uh, sure. <laughs> when do you start things up? Okay. Uh, let's go to Brandon from Oshawa. The men's rumble is still going on, and I have to say. Okay, so uh, you finish watching the show before leaving the feedback. Um, otherwise, I, I don't think we should read it. Jay from Colorado will make this real quick. Match of the night for me was the Women's Rumble. They booked that thing fantastically all the way through, and I was happy with the Bailey win. But my spot of the night was Jade eliminating Naya. That was the chef's kiss. Stig from the UK. PLE started off strong with what I think is the best Women's Royal Rumble to date. It was really enjoyable, had some really great surprises, and most importantly was all done with current generation wrestlers. There weren't any wasn't any need for nostalgia i'm really happy bailey won and thought jade looked awesome rest of the card was pretty checked out on though but at least in the men's title match they did well to make knight and styles a part of the match and not just seem like it was all about orton and reigns men's rumble was quite dull to be honest and uh there you have it thank you stick let's go to sweden and sour who says the show just ended and it's 6 a.m all in all, I think it was a good show. The Women's Rumble match was the match of the show. It was the best one they have had so far. They managed to use what they had on the roster to the fullest instead of relying too much on outside surprises. This match managed to stay on its own merits on its two legs and stand tall. It did too. Jade Cargill's debut was an all-timer. Good on Bailey getting her white whale. 
a lot of the mythology surrounding 99 overall rated Roman Reigns dominance gets lost on Solo Sokoa shenanigans. At least it managed to create a good foundation for LA for LA Knight versus AJ Styles. Uh, it's funny. I had a conversation with my best mates today who, where we agreed that the matches usually are super. Okay. Uh, the f- 7.25 out of 10. Worth staying up for. Robbie from London, first WWE show for me in 10 months, and it was all right. Great women's rumble, decent world title match, but thought the men's rumble was pretty poor. But as the resident TNA guy, I lost my goddamn mind when Jordan Grace's music hit and she came out wearing the knockouts title. Definitely improved that Corey clearly knew her and Michael Cole called the title by the right name, uh, even with McAfee not seeming to have a clue. But very happy with her presentation. That's the champion? Jordan from the Bronx, a very mid-show with some bright spots. Most of the WWE women do not have any presence as the crowd sat on their hands for the majority of the Rumble. A lot of male talent are competing with each other for the same opportunities, and none of them seem to break away from the pack. Question, with Cody winning, does that kill any chance of the Rocket Mania this year? I think that's one of, one of the big things we'll be watching you know, throughout these weeks. Um, I have to think it'll be suggested and discussed. Um now, how do they leave the audience satisfied by teasing The Rock and basically um, either not delivering or delivering some sort of combination of, of both of, of Cody finishing his story as well as a Rock going for the head of the table? Yeah. And I mean, uh, again, it's you, you can't just completely d- dismiss like all that's happened in these last couple of days in contrast to Tuesday, when this guy is announced as the board of directors, like this is someone that has um, a lot of different entities out there. And like, he is going to have that, that concern uh, as well. Like you are, it's not just a WrestleMania thing. It's like, you are on the board of directors here um, mm-hmm. on, on top of it. Like it's like there, there's probably a lot um, like if, if you believe Paul Levesque that and Cody Rhodes, like that everyone was getting this in real time, like everyone else, um, that probably would include Dwayne Johnson, who was not expecting that to be dropping um, on Tuesday when he's there ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange next to Vince McMahon. Um, last one. Last one here. Let's go to uh, Ani, who writes, uh, not a great show. Women's Rumble had a nice ending and Fatal 4-Way was mediocre. Kevin Owens is quietly on one of the best runs of his career. His match with Logan Paul was laid out well and had interesting ideas. Even the limb work was well done. I even thought the finish was creative. Men's Rumble was a bit of a slog until we got to the Final Four. The Final Four was good and Cody winning was a great moment. They have something in the sky. The crowd even chose him over Punk. Got to pull the trigger in Philadelphia. We'll see. All right. That, what, what's his tagline going to be? I mean, this is... Uh, uh sequel finish the story uh hit publish right <laughs> final draft yeah get an editor all right <laughs> it's 2 30 in the morning folks we are going to bid everyone a farewell thank you for staying up late with us or listening to the show after the fact you can always follow postwrestling.com we are live after every raw every dynamite and every smackdown so we will be back monday night uh, on this very channel. So hit that subscribe button. It's the least you can do after spending all this time loitering here in our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. That's the way you tip your waiter. And we and subscribe to-, to WrestleNomics on YouTube as well. Um, thank you very much, Brandon Thurston, for joining us on the show and uh, support the WrestleNomics Patreon, as Bruce Lord said. Um, yes. 
Yeah. Yes. Coming up on Sunday, we will have a, a special Sunday edition of Collision Course with John Cena and Kate from Montreal. I'm sure John Cena, who is actually in attendance tonight. Yes, I'm sure he will share his uh, his live notes of the experience. And uh, Brandon Thurston, 7 p.m. Eastern time over at WrestleNomics, will be doing a special edition of the show following his trip to St. Petersburg, Florida. All right. WrestleNomics Patreon. Yes. All right. That's it for us. Thank you for tuning in to the Royal Rumble Review. Good night.